the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody who's I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Oh, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No one is in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the way. Hello and welcome to episode 196 of the Spitballing Pod. It's deadline day. I'm Luke Byron. I'm joined by Tom Kennett. Jack Harper, Alex Jones, and Ashley Goff making his return after a long time away. I will say, I did say last week that uh, we were expecting to have the Charmer on the podcast. Not to say that we're disappointed to have you, Goff, but if people are wondering why he's not here, the results and the reason we uh, were so insistent on having some United representation here, you could probably put the two together. He spewed he's insisted that an engineer has cut through his internet cable while he was <laughs> writing on WhatsApp, so. He went outside he two and two together. He exactly. all got too much yesterday and he took it to himself. So, we'll start off with news of the week. We'll go through a bit of everything, but there is plenty of news of the week before we even get to deadline day. So, man who erected a giant wooden penis on his lawn fights to keep it up. <laughs> Great headline. Police break up cult gatherings featuring a four foot vagina. <laughs> I don't have any context on that. <laughs> Another word for a 10 year old Alex. Parrots removed from UK Wildlife Park after they started swearing at customers. <laughs> Saw this. It would be great if there was just someone that actually went into the park to teach them that specifically. Apparently they kept calling someone a fat prick was, uh, <laughs> was the final blow. <laughs> I wasn't at the zoo if uh, that was the next retort. I feel Meat? like they missed a trick. That's surely <laughs> a, great, a great tourist attraction. People will come and just get battered by a parrot. <laughs> uh, meet Lady Ninja, the 67-year-old who beat up a man attacking her friend and saved her life. Jesus. And it was clearly a week for this because we've got a elderly woman, 71, is the suspected getaway driver for Burglar Gang. <laughs> Someone's shuffling around here. <laughs> Somebody's being killed in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I don't normally do this, but all three of your lights have lit up in that time. It could be anyone here. Everyone goes silent when you make an accusation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it incrementable. It, it wasn't me. <laughs> um, 
New Jersey hypnotist is facing sex assault charges for allegedly subjecting clients to prostate exams without their knowledge. <laughs> That's a, a funny headline, but it's quite terrifying when you actually <laughs> really think about that. So it's very dark. Don't go to New Jersey or visit a hypnotist. If you wake up with your trousers around your ankles, that's why. Walking with a limp. <laughs> Firefighters rescue drunk UK students stuck inside tumble dryer. <laughs> uh, Project X sequel. After that, made you in the oven. I think that's probably easier easier to do than you have to realise as well. Yeah, because I guess I was going to say it makes it more simple to be shoved in an oven, but you do kind of have to curl to be put in the tumble dryer, <laughs> so who knows. An adventurous ferret escapes from his house, breaks into a neighbour's house, and sneaks into bed with him. wonder if you give him a prostate exam. <laughs> Herd of charging cows in England kill second man in a month. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the same herd? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. But, uh, Madonna refused to work with David Guetta after he revealed his star sign. Jesus Christ. Do we know what that star sign was? Yeah, no. key question. This, this is the title of a column on The Guardian. I tried the foreskin facial treatment, so you don't have to. <laughs> what? The context on this, because I did see it on Twitter, <laughs> is it is quite literally um, babies' foreskins that have been operated on, and it's kind of uh, put down into a facial scrub or something that's oh, supposed what? to make your skin younger. So this person on the athletic has done it, so you don't have to. Jesus, who came up with the idea and who first tried it? I don't understand. Emu running loose through she is lured in with a pair. <laughs> I wonder how they get to that point. Someone comes out of the house with a pair. I finally solved it. <laughs> Drunk man has 13-year-old drive him to get ice cream and is in turn charged with endangering a child. A man covered his face with tattoos and turned his eyes black. He says it cost him his kindergarten teaching job, and it's not right. <laughs> He's claiming discrimination there. Or the, the, the people that are going to be campaigning with him are the ones that have like a cross on their wrist, saying, I've been discriminated for my tattoos as well, and this bloke's got black eyeballs and a tattooed face. <laughs> this is the thing as is, is well. Like, I remember the scene on the Jeremy Carl show. Yeah. That guy who got a skeleton tattooed onto his face. <laughs> He's got two young kids. And it's like, why, when you had that done, would you not think ahead that, yeah, I probably won't get a job? It's not discrimination. He was complaining that he was looked at more in the playground while picking his kids up. I'm not fucking surprised. <laughs> um... A legislator in Argentina's lower house of Congress has been forced to resign after he was seen kissing his girlfriend's bare breasts during an online congressional <laughs> debate. Wow. <laughs> These Zoom calls, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and finally, there's a Jeep Wrangler dangling off a cliff in California after some fool drove up a bike trail. Jesus. So, there you go. Some Italian job business and <laughs> got out and left it there. 
It's a great way to write a headline that, some fool. Yeah. <laughs> so, some news of uh, past weeks here. Not to go over too much old ground, but as we always do on Deadline Day, I've got some of uh, the most famous Deadline Day moments to refresh your memories. Not the standard uh, Rabinio, Ozil, but some of more of the shenanigans that we got up to. A good place to start, West Ham's Diafra Sacco, if you can remember this one who tried to take matters into his own hands in 2017. He flew to France to undergo a medical at Rennes, despite the fact he didn't have West Ham's permission or guarantee they'd be selling him. He missed a training session to, to do this, and um, he wasn't in any hurry to rush back. After landing, he went to Chelmsford Racecourse with his representatives, where he ended up winning £500 with a bet on the agent's horse, and ended up staying at West Ham for the rest of the window. <laughs> he turned up for a meeting at the London Stadium with the bosses that none of the West Ham uh, big bosses turned up for. And the following transfer window, he was then sent to Rennes. So. But he's very West Ham, Ham saga. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nail on the head there. We're going to get a very on humble to... bet for a footballer. <laughs> Only 500 quid. We're going to get on to Cavani later, but at the time of the story breaking, the most Man United was trending on People just saying, this is the most Man United transfer ever. <laughs> uh, a dodgy fax machine at uh, Real Madrid's headquarters, uh, United's headquarters, was allegedly to blame for the late, which ultimately kept David De Gea and Kayla Navas at Old Trafford and the Bernabeu. Uh, Navas later admitted that he burst into tears upon hearing the news while waiting to board a Manchester-bound flight. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh Benjani making Man City sweat for his signature in 2008, only making the necessary medical required with 45 minutes left. He missed not one but two flights from Southampton to Manchester, and a third was cancelled before he made it in the air. He, he claims that an untimely airport nap was responsible for his initial no-show, although some believe that it was the sudden bout of lethargy, which was just a stalling tactic from the player who really didn't want to move up north. That, oh, is, wow. that, is, that is brilliant, isn't it? Like, and that could have literally ended a transfer saga straight it's away. It's one of them where he's probably gone, I'll think of a good excuse before then. <laughs> yeah. And then hours later, he's gone, Christ, I can't, I can't think of one. I like the idea that he actually did, though. And whoever was with him also fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody woke him up. Um... Adrian Silva, who was all but set to complete his move from Sporting to left for 22 million, only for the relevant paperwork to arrive 14 seconds too late. And as the Premier League do, they said his official registration was too late and the move was blocked. Uh, the most famous one fan took things to new heights outside Everton's Finch Farm in 2014 when he tried to shove a purple dildo down the ear of the poor, unsuspecting <laughs> Alan Irwin. Yeah, that's pretty. That gets kind of grouped in with Stoke. So when you about <laughs> Stoke on deadline day, and they kind of have had to take responsibility for that. Shouldn't they embrace it these days? They don't got a lot else going for it. No, that, that was their thing. One of the more uh, bizarre moves: uh, Julian Faubert being loaned to Real Madrid. Hmm. Once he got there, he once missed a training session after believing he had the day off. He fell asleep on the subs bench during a game against Villarreal and spent a total of just 54 minutes on the pitch before heading back to Upton Park. <laughs> Incredible. Most famous recent one, believing a deal from West Brom to QPR was very much on in 2013. <laughs> Peter Odenwingi 
made the 125-mile solo trip from the West Midlands, hoping to force through a move, which didn't then happen. You got that iconic window interview as well, haven't you? Yeah. I put it on my football in Instagram earlier. Um, With Liverpool having turned down an eight million offer from Birmingham during the previous window, Ryan Babel was determined to leave Anfield before the following window closed. He was spotted taking a London-bound helicopter on deadline day, with both Spurs and West Ham reportedly interested. However, no one saw what was called the Babelcopter land. (laughs) At 6pm, he was back in Merseyside, with his whereabouts in between remaining a mystery to this day. Babelcopter. I love that it's still a mystery, what happened. (laughs) So you should have, like, deadline day non-events as well, that I'm still convinced to this day that Hawk is still circling a West London airport. Like that used to be the rumor every yeah. every deadline day. Hulk is circling such and such an airport. He will sign tonight. There was the one where five windows. Mares was just flying around Europe like three years ago, just <laughs> hoping someone was going to bid for it. <laughs> I made decent money that window because they where he was just desperate. He was four to one to stay at Leicester that window, and by about three o'clock, it was pretty clear that he wasn't going anywhere. So. Can make some good money there, but he would never let you double them up on Skybet. This year they don't let you do the to stay at uh, certain club. That's where the money was. But anyway, Super Sunday is what we'll get to now. If we start with, uh, <laughs> we'll go past the Arsenal game. I'll do you a favour. We don't need to talk about it. But Man United were on the end of hu- of a humiliating six-one defeat at the hands of Tottenham at Old Trafford. Goff, we brought you in just for this. Have you recovered? I don't think I ever will recover, to be honest. <laughs> that brought back memories of MK Dons thrashing us and <laughs> things like uh, to Leeds in the in the uh, EFL Cup. But uh, it was just embarrassing. If I was sat, if I was sat next year, if I was sat next to uh, right now, I'd be giving you a gentle tap on the back. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. But uh, don't get me wrong, Spurs did play well, but we. Did ourselves absolutely no favours. We were absolutely terrible. United's biggest home defeat in the league since Man City won 6-1 in 2011. Yeah. After they were awarded a penalty within the first minute after Davinson Sanchez brought down Martial and uh, Bruno Fernandes converted from the spot as he does. Don't like that he's copied Jorginho's uh, move there, trying trying to take it as his own. He's just trying new things, isn't he? Well, I like it in like calling it out as well, saying it's a Jorginho way of taking it. Yes. Not <laughs> Fernandez, which is the way it should be. Well, I mean, straight after then, straight down the other end, there's a fumble in the area. Harry Maguire pulls down Luke Shaw as he's about <laughs> to clear it. And then Don Bele smashes it in. See, I was actually fuming at Luke Shaw to begin with <laughs> until, until I saw the replay. And I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Him getting dragged out of the wreckage yeah. by Maguire. It's like if you look at Shaw's face as well, he just doesn't know what's going on. Like <laughs> it's just the look of betrayal on his face. I, I must admit, I must admit, when the penalty went in, and I, I thought, here we go, it's going to be one of those games. It's not going to be good for us. And that happened at the other end. It was like, hello, hello here. <laughs> yeah. The fence were up against here. <laughs> well, son, then. Put Spurs ahead um, three minutes later, and then you kind of did feel 
this could go horribly wrong for United. And then it yeah. quite literally did when they were reduced to 10 men. How was pretty the soon after that? as well, by the way? So <laughs> from your perspective, should it have been neither sent off, both sent off, or just Martial sent off? Well, depends, doesn't it? If you're going to interpret the rules as any hand to the face, then they should both go. Um, I think if you're going to send Martial off, you have to send Lamella off because if you, you see it in the replays, what Lamella does, if anything, is worse, even if it was just both tit for tat. Um, but yeah, if, you, if you're going to do do go with the red card or, or no card for one, you've got to do the same to the other, I think. My, what I was confused by was that I, I'm, I'm kind of with I kind of would go on this. I think I think common sense. You give both of them a yellow card. Um, yes, the letter of the rule is contact to the face, which obviously Lamella didn't do. But like I said, common sense really needs to come into play here. And I was baffled at why the referee seemed to not be interested remotely in VAR in that situation. That's I mean, what I had, thought. You had Martial stood on the end of the pitch waiting for like. Are you, are you looking at it? Are you not? And nothing seemed to happen. I don't know if he just turned the option away or or what, but it what, just the whole situation didn't make much sense, really. What about you, TK? Do you think that a uh, hand to the face should be a definite red card? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I. In all honesty, I thought the common sense thing would be to give them both a yellow. But I do agree if it's if you're going to go literally from the letter of the law. The thing with it is, and I, I know what you're getting at, that even yeah, if you if you consider, it. for example, the Mane won a red card, at the very least you can make an argument that they're both in play for the ball in that instance, where, wherever you fall on there, whether you think it's a red card or not. Whereas on this, Lamel, there's, there's no like, intent on playing the ball. It's not even near him at this stage. Lamel has clearly swiped him in the face and Martial's done it back. So I don't Unlike think you different... argument. With um, the James Rodriguez red card that we saw the week before, from um, the red card we saw against James Rodriguez, was it? Um... No, Kieran Gibbs. Uh, Kieran Gibbs. On Kieran it, Gibbs. Yeah, against yeah. Hammers. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exa- exactly. So, yeah, I thought there's a few false equivalents being drawn there, but there we are. That's not uncommon. I wouldn't have been unhappy seeing them both sent off, to be honest. <laughs> Lamella in particular, <laughs> like if I it was anyone ever. Seen them both sent off, but... <laughs> If it was anyone but Lamella, I would have quite enjoyed it. But I looked at it and I thought, if you looked at that at VAR, then the Lamella one has to be more of a red than the Martial one. I do find it weird. Yeah. It was like an actual leading elbow. Martial should just be sent off for the stupidity more than anything. Yeah. It's always a bit like, do you remember years back when Costa was quite blatantly winding up Gabriel Paulista at the time yeah, and he was kind of stepping back on him and then Gabriel retaliated and he was the one that sent off. It's yeah. Kind yeah, of the exactly same equivalent the there where Lamella, as ridiculous as it is, can make the argument that he's pouring for space, that he's not looking at Martial to do that, that he can use just about any excuse that he wants. Whereas Martial literally can't yeah. say anything, can he? No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. Well, it's very different, but we we spoke about when David Luiz gave away a penalty at Anfield last season 
and he was sent off. And in this, the same game, you had Van Dijk, I think, pulled back Reese Nelson, maybe. But mm. you said, TK, that if you're going to do it, there's a way to do it where That's you it, can't get it? away That's, from it. And That's half the battle. Martial didn't have the way to get away with it. Absolutely not. That that's, what, that's what confused oh. me as well. Sorry, just to go back to Alex's point about the lack of VAR, because I couldn't work out if the ref had actually just seen it, which hmm. I'm pretty sure he hadn't. He had. He had seen it. He gave the decision. Oh, he had. So strange. Yeah, I thought the ref had seen it because he was pretty confident, wasn't he? Usually if he hadn't seen it, then... Yeah, that's what confused me. I thought, why is he not or... checking the screen? But even then, we don't know what they choose to look at because they seem to make it up as they go along. And if he's just seen Martial slap him, he not thought, well, what's triggered this? Yeah. So I think yeah, that, and it's it, getting and it, to like the NFL where new people tune in to see the NFL and they'll say something like, uh, there's just all these rules where you hear stop in play and you hear a rule you've never heard before. You can watch <laughs> it now after watching it for years and there'll be a rule that you've never heard of. Yeah. And you see with VAR where they'll pull something out. And like we had the one with um, the Chelsea handball that wasn't a handball last week. And it's like, well, you see, when they break it down as a rule, yeah. because it's a separate phase of play, then the handball actually doesn't count there. I mean, down the other end, you've got a handball, but he's falling, and because that's his lead arm, it doesn't count as a handball, and all these types of things. So it's going to put people Believe off if, if you are coming in to sit down and maybe watch the Premier League or a different one, because we just seem to make a lot more uh, of a fuss about it than everyone else. Maybe they're just making it up as they go along. I'm laughing at it. We don't know. That is what I'm it not, feels like. I'm not consulting the rule, but maybe they're just thinking, let's see what we can get away with. Well, the thing is, the thing is, like, the handball situation side, the handball situation alone with the VAR at the moment, that, what happened at the weekend with the Meadow and Martial is precisely what VAR should be used for, and they didn't mm. use it. Like, that, that's the thing that doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah. you know, points aside with things that happen in the game from, you know, handballs to rash tackles and various things like that like silly unsporting conduct off the like off the ball like you know if you take VAR back to when you were looking at um like when Costa did that to Gabriel you can look at what was going on in VAR there and you look at the situation a bit differently but I, I just I, that was precisely what it should be used for and there wasn't even remotely it didn't even remotely look like they were the referees were interested in using it I just don't understand how you can go from one extreme to the other with it. I think, though, even if it goes to VAR, so say the ref hasn't seen it and it goes there, we're going to be complaining one way or the other anyway because we're going to be complaining that it's soft, we're going to be complaining that one was softer than the other and yeah, they're both getting the same punishment, we're going to be complaining that he hasn't done anything. And so I don't really see how there was any way to win here because someone was always going to be unhappy with what happened. Well, I, I, ju- I just think all the referee needs to do in that situation is to... VAR and you hand out two yellows there really is mm. nothing more to it like it's not as if it was like a, a re- like Martial's knock to Lamella's face it's not as if it was really sinister it was I think once they go to VAR then you're going to have to send him off because it's the same mm. way that they're giving handballs where they're like look I don't think it's a handball but I have to instill yeah. as yeah, it is yeah, exactly. they'll say hand to the face I, I think it's not well I think as well that they've got to have kind of like a blanket approach to it where it's like keepers in the six-yard box. Any contact is a foul because uh, then it's don't open. Get it started. No, no, but it's like <laughs> if someone touches someone in the face, then you're interpreting how hard that touch is. 
So then it's really kind of a grey area. So I think any retaliation to the face has to be a red. And I think Martial was stupid to get drawn into it. I, I just think that de- I just think that de- the delicacy of the enforcement is in the wrong place. I think it needs to be reversed. I think you you're not you don't have to be as delicate with a handball decision as you are with as and then like you can be more you can be more delicate with the less delicate with handball decisions and uh, more delicate with maybe something like that. I just don't. No, definitely. What we should say, and unless you'd say otherwise, Goff, as much as the red card didn't help Man United, it also isn't the reason that they lost 6-1. No, not at all. I think, as Alex touched on earlier, as soon as Son got that second goal, it was kind of, oh, okay, this game could get away from us now. Um, But obviously, the Martial sending off has kind of sped things up a little, shall we say. It's quite different because when we had the red card where they sent off Kieran Gibbs instead of Oxlade-Chamberlain, like that one did actually change and was the reason Arsenal lost 6-1. <laughs> but this situation is That's just, so bad. Just Look a bit different. So that clutch. That's just so bad. <laughs> That's the wrong guy. Um, the defending then for the rest of it, Gary Neville was... Seemingly just shouting on commentary every few seconds. <laughs> the body language, the body language is all wrong. I'd be surprised if you could find any player that's four, five, one down and their body language is ecstatic. <laughs> because you'd also probably, you'd be sl- slugging them off if they're about the pitch. Be and you'd be saying, Why didn't you put this in 20 minutes ago? Or, it's funny, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Imagine. I think. Particularly that United side who there's a lot of characters in there who have been pinpointed for sulking before. I don't think you were going to get any other body language. And it's the exact same for Arsenal. If Arsenal fall one down, I don't think the body language would be any different for any other club that maybe, unless they expect it, Fulham just kind of get on with it because they're used to it. <laughs> unless you're 3-0 down and you're Chelsea and you stage a great comeback, which now looks pretty decent. After this Jesus weekend. Christ. <laughs> what? Yeah, Spurs in West Brom are pretty equivalent, to be fair. Well, they are. <laughs> How has he done this? I don't understand. They both have white in their kit. Three <laughs> <laughs> all draw with West Brom is actually a fantastic result. <laughs> I would rather draw three all with West Brom than lose six wide at home to Spurs. It's but, a weird oh, choice to have to make. Yeah, I know. Is that the barometer for the rest of the season? No, it's, it? it's more about being three goals down at half-time, the effort <laughs> level shown. It's like one of them where you get put, where people name a situation, it's like, if you had to sleep with one of those utterly revolting people to save your mum's life, would you do it? Why would I be in this situation? That's literally the equivalent you've just put forward. Like, I looked at the scenario and I was like, if this was any other team but Spurs, I'd be enjoying this a lot more than I am. Yeah, right I did. Now. I see most people that. are thinking that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I um, thought, I, I thought the fact that obviously we've got Mourinho as manager would have maybe sweetened it a little bit because it yeah, was Mourinho. together. It was brilliant because you could tell when he patted Ollie on the head after the game. He had done that because he remembered when he was patted on the head himself. In the same fixture last year. 
He's a psychopath. Yeah. We know yeah, that. He literally <laughs> waited like ten months just to do that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Even thinking about this, the, the, like the thing it's, is, it's like the South Park Scott Tenement episode. Yeah, the side eye gave the camera as well. <laughs> the thing is as well. The thing is as well. Like you, you thought maybe at half time he might go in and he might just you know shut up shot, maybe maybe make a few defensive decisions just to bear in mind that Spurs have played a lot of games in these past few. You don't want any players going down with injury. Also made the starting start line as well, but he um, but he he came out with the same intensity. I mean, like, when you think about it, you can't imagine him going into that change room half time ago and say, "Right, simmer down, guys. We're going to sort of lock it lock it down now." I don't want you to, you know. I think against anyone else, he would have as well because yeah. he could not. Yeah. Like, yeah. having it. Mourinho in this fixture, you think three years ago was it? Two years ago was when um, he was shushing down the camera after beating Poch's side with United. Because <laughs> he literally turns around and potches right there to shake his hand. And then you have Ollie beating him at Spurs and you kind of fall out from that. And then you go the other way around and how he's done the same. And yeah, he was never going to forget it. He said straight after in his press conference, didn't he? He said, imagine, imagine what could have happened if they had an attacking coach. Jose could see that they were there for the taking. He, he said in the week, he's. He said, if, if you beat Man United, you need to get out quick because as long as you're still in the stadium, they might pull you out of the showers and say, Bruno Fernandes has got a penalty to take. <laughs> <laughs> He's got rare form, hasn't he? Uh, but like, great talking about the Spurs performance. Like, obviously United were terrible, but I, I think it show, just goes to show how much momentum having a good transfer window can have on the squad. I mean, I'm not having that. We we look we, <laughs> Tottenham. Tottenham look like an entirely different animal in a game like that. I mean, if you looked, the one thing that stands out was every loose ball in in the field of play. Tottenham won every single loose ball. The intensity that they played at to win back that ball and keep the pressure on was absolutely superb. Is that because they signed players though, or is it Kane, because United are United? Because Son and Kane have been linking up long before you re-signed Gareth Bale. Yeah, but alone. if you yeah, look at Hoiberg, Hoiberg is, was absolutely phenomenal. Exactly. Like Alex yeah. just said every second ball he was there. Yeah, and it's, yeah, and pretty much as well. Um, Rudigon as well. He is looking a player. I mean, he's definitely got a mistake in his locker, but he is definitely up for it. His pace is phenomenal. Some of the challenges that he gets back for and puts in are superb. Going forward, he's got all the pace you want. Um, he gets into nice, spacious areas. The amount of good balls that we had that we were like to switch up the play from side to side, absolutely superb. Undenbele looked like he's got something about him. He's continually moving in the right direction. I mean, talking about the signings that we like moving away from the signings that we made in this window, um, Undenbele and the Celso are having a better start this season than they did last season. So they're almost it's almost and like Undenbele scored in his debut last season. He did, but and then he got injured. <laughs> but at least he's, you know, he's playing a lot of football. No, so uh, and yet, you no. Know, Kane looks a lot better again as well. And bearing in mind, you know, we've got two signings which we haven't even seen on the pitch yet. You know, we, Bale's left to come in. Imagine a momentum swing that we're going to have when he gets in the squad. So, uh, I'd say for the, this is for great. the rest of the game to kind of tick those off is um, I didn't think Spurs could have many complaints about the way United were kicking out at them because Spurs have done this in every losing game they've had for probably the last three years since they lost um, the two-horse race at Stamford Bridge, where Hazard gifted the lead to Leicester. And Spurs <laughs> spent the last half an hour booting 
lumps out of them. I don't <laughs> see. I didn't see. I didn't. I don't think we were complaining too much about United lashing out. I think it's part. It's part parcel. Jose when was you, a seat on that sure yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, part, though, wasn't it? That sure it was Jose has got to do that. It's part and parcel of the way that he was. Even Ollie was. Yeah, he's that's <laughs> that Ollie in slow motion killed me. <laughs> the hands up. <laughs> um, Mourinho, like United lashing out like that. Mourinho and Tottenham know that's exactly what's going to happen when you have Lamella doing what he did against Martial, and when you're starting to and when you're playing against them like you are. You know that's part and parcel. But just because Mourinho's, you know, get on the touchline giving it lit when United are doing that. Of course he's going to do that because he wants he wants another reaction out of United and he wants another player sent off. So it's like I don't think it was anything. Oh, like that's all right then. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> he wants another player taken off. Oh, let him carry on. Yeah, but it's so, like it's like he knows he knows what I'm trying to say is he knows that's part and parcel of the game that they're play, the, the, the game that they're in and the way that he set that squad up. To they're go already up, dead, know. Alex. Alex, Spurs <laughs> had two injuries yeah. last season and. Jose wanted the season called off. <laughs> More than two, mate. More than two. Um, Lost the entire squad. To round up the rest of the game then, so um, Ore got himself on the score sheet with a nice finish. It was similar to the one he scored in the Champions League um, to keep you in it last season where he drove it into the following corner. And then you also had a penalty of which Pogba listened to soon as the half-time, clearly. No, before the game, actually, when he said... Uh, you worry because you're never going to get 100 percent out of him, and then he takes down Ben Davis. Kane is one of them, and I know we've spoken about it already before. TK particularly, I don't think it's even a question that he's the best penalty taker in the world. It's the assurance of which he hits the ball, isn't it? That's what it's the power it's and the never... placement. Like you usually pick one or the other, you kind of wait for the keeper to go down. He doesn't have any kind of shenanigans, and it is quite simple. In fact, the penalty he's but... missed. Is when he tries to jazz it up a bit with a stuck to any run up or something. Yeah. De Gea, De Gea made a good go at it, but he just couldn't get near it. Yeah, De Gea, it, there was nothing he could do about it. It was plain and simple. His ball was moving too fast. So they've got that done. Luke Shaw told the BBC afterwards there was a lack of concentration and then a mistake and then another mistake <laughs> and then another mistake. We switched off and it really hurts. So we'll get into their transfers afterwards. I've been in the situation, I've seen Arsenal take a few of these hidings. The players are kind of damned if they do speak out and damned if they don't, because if they don't, I've been sat there annoyed. We've just sat through that and they're not even saying anything to the fans, this, that. I remember Ertzel tried to not go over to the fans after the 6-1 and... um, Mirzasaka grabbed him by the scruff of his neck and dragged him <laughs> over and the cursing the TV there. And then the other way around, you say nothing and so you kind of either way, you're never going to win. Just don't do a joke in let's go. It's in the players' favour, hasn't it, that there's no fans in the stadium? Yeah. Oh, God. They kind of can just kind of shirk it at some points and then until they lift you up were, and face the media at the end. You'd have had the... Uh, well, appealing for them to refund the fans that have been there. That's the classic <laughs> when, when you get smashed. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, people always say you uh, turned up knowing that that could happen, but in the games where it has happened, you haven't turned up expecting to get whapped about 7-0. So, I've I said it before. the refund in the fans there. 
I said it before, I'll never forget when a fan ripped up their season ticket on the last game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> the last fucking game. You always get that, that joke, don't you, where Symbolic someone's DK. left it in like, the, the windscreen of the car and there'll be a picture of like the smashed window. And they'll say they put another one in there or that kind of thing. You don't get anything yeah. without fans there. Because United would not have enjoyed that. That would have been the thing a, is, a horrible it, atmosphere. The, the thing is, you know, in the, in this line of work, there's only one true response that you can give after a match like that, and that is a response on the pitch. You know, mm-hmm. Chelsea, obviously, Chelsea, 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 yeah, exactly. So it's terrible timing for it, really. Yeah, and particularly as well, it's transfer deadline day. So, you now look at that squad and there's pressure elsewhere. But there's, you, you know, you look at Chelsea, for example. Obviously, they've had a bit of a rougher week last week. Um, but they've responded well this weekend and immediately you don't, they don't get crucified in the media as much and the pressure is completely off Lampard. And, you know, it's moments like that that make a big not difference. Not completely off. Not completely off, but enough that it can relieve that pressure going into the international break. Where if he's anything, happy. he's picked he's pit the wrong week to win. You get a little 1-0 <laughs> loss or something this week and you get away with it because Liverpool and United have done what they do. It's a little <laughs> wrong. If, we ask, if I ask you, Alex, first of all, I did see a tweet saying only Spurs could beat United 6-1 and be second on match of the day, which <laughs> we'll get into that game afterwards. But... <laughs> There was a lot of criticism I saw on Twitter and mainly from the people that have the big football accounts where I think they're trying to be a bit more righteous, complaining that Spurs weren't getting enough coverage in the game afterwards. But Do you not think United losing and conceding six goals is always going to be a bigger story than Spurs being the ones to do it? Like, I think No matter who puts those six goals past United, that's going to be the story. Whereas Spurs could put six past anyone else and it's not the same story as putting six past United yeah I, I'm fortunate like, I'm going to have to agree because at the moment the fact of the matter is United are the bigger club by quite some way and they've spent a lot more money they've got bigger names in the squad um, and you know like 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 it was said at half time that is the first time that United have conceded four goals in the first in the first half of a match um, for in the, in the league or just the Premier League well, I don't why think why did they bring up that stat saying this is the first time that both United and Liverpool have conceded six in the same weekend? As if we were in any <laughs> doubt that that was going yeah. to be a stat. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's kind of, I think, it, for, for the moment, United to lose like that it, it is a bigger storyline, um, because particularly as well, because of the context of the red card as well. Mm. You kind of look at the match in terms of maybe it was handed to them on a platter in the end. So it does, you know, almost in a way, Lamella doing what he did, might have, you know, shot, took the spotlight away from what could have been, a, you know, a, a really good Tottenham team performance, and they won the won the game on the pitch during the with the play rather than a controversial decision. So it is what it is. I guess we also complain when United win an arrow game, maybe, and you've got Roy Keane, you've got Evra, you've got Neville in the studio, and it turns into a bit of a Man United love affair. But it kind of all pays off when you do get a game like yesterday. Yeah. And they're stuck in the studio because <laughs> Everett was doing my head in. No. <laughs> Everett nearly cried. Yeah, you can't have Everett nearly cry. You, he was literally a broken man. Look, broken, this broken. is the thing. He's all, right to dish it out. He's all right to dish it out to Arsenal and Liverpool and all these other teams. <laughs> he was giving it the big one on when Liverpool had their title ceremony and he was saying, the only thing that brings me joy is there's no fans in there to see it. He said about Arsenal, he's talking about Moisey's daughter last week. United holds six goals. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen, I've, I've, seen, 
I, I've seen um, a, a United fan. <laughs> no, he was uh, he was saying over the weekend, no one gets United more than Patrice Evra. Evra, this man should be put uh, into the as part of the process in getting players in. Passion for the club is unrivaled. We knew this man was nuts when he, he fingered a chicken carcass <laughs> on his own Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> he is a, is a maniac, and I thought he was going to say when he was doing the like Alexis Sanchez said after one session he wanted to hand in his thing. I thought he was going to say that Van der Beek should do the same. <laughs> I thought up. that's where he was going. And then he's saying, I want Sky to terminate my contract. And they were looking around, like, is he serious here or what? It all went a bit quiet, didn't it? Yeah. And then yeah. it was actually better when he wasn't talking because he was sat there. Like I'm surprised I've not seen one of them Hello Darkness, My Old Friend videos. Yeah, yeah. They fade into him and he's got his head down. Soonest is loving it, so it's the perfect day to have the, the counterpart of those two there. Dave Jones was commiserating him like he'd lost a loved one. Like, <laughs> exactly, that's what I mean. Three, they were pandering to him. <laughs> this, you should on. really let him have it, because <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, if, if you have Keane in that studio, they're not letting him off. And no, he's got, everything he could probably be a bit more wary about letting off. So you have, I don't know, so you have a, uh, someone else of a different team in there. So you hit the Sol Campbell in there. He's doing the Arsenal one for a couple of weeks. They'd have been giving it to him for if Arsenal had just held six goals. and They let him off quite lightly. And he was still going on like they were really giving it to him. It is, uh, it was, it is an absolute tragedy that uh, Roy Keane wasn't part oh of Oh, my God. That. that would have been great to see. <laughs> that might have finished him. That might have been the end of it. <laughs> we Sky should probably count themselves lucky that they only had to make one apology yesterday. As soon as uh, talking about Lamella's Latin behaviour, no, no. <laughs> I could I could tell it was a Sunday because I assumed he was talking about Greece at the time, which makes no. I thought he was talking about play acting, and then it only occurred to me after that he was just talking about that style of things going on there because I couldn't make the comparison, and then obviously. A couple of hours later, Sky put out an apology for the second week running. This was having a weekly for, uh, apology over Everett. With that game, though, so we'll get onto United's transfer business. But should they internally put this down as look, we just had a bad day because this is Solskjaer was kind of like, nothing went for us today. This was kind of the thing we'll bounce back, or should they be more worried? I think they should be totally worried because they've had, what, three games now this season and there should be three losses. They're lucky mm. that it's not because Brighton, they should have lost that game. They're not playing good football. They're looking worse than average. And a result like this was literally coming around the corner. Um, if they, like we saw how many chances they gave up against Brighton, for fuck's sake. Against Brighton, they hit the bar five times, or they hit the woodwork five times. On another day, got, they will go in, and on this day, it did. You've got Harry Maguire there, then. So he's taken a lot of the criticism. Yesterday, a lot of it was his fault, but he's going to get that anyway because of his uh, price tag. Are United in a position where they can say, look, we're dropping you out here? Because they went all in. They've given him the captaincy. He then goes and gets himself arrested abroad. They stick with him, so you can't really say 
we're dropping you from the team because you impeded Luke Shaw, but you beat up a Greek policeman and <laughs> we're keeping you in the team after that. I don't know how you can drop him also because you look at what's in reserve there and it's not much better. That's the thing. It's, it's the complete lack of squad depth in that position. You've got, obviously he's not in form at the moment. Just goes to happen that Lindelof is also not in the same, in very good form. But then you've got Bailly, I've never really trusted. He has one good game and then two absolutely erratic games. And when he, when he isn't playing, he's injured. Smalling is decent backup, but as I've just seen, he's gone to yeah. Roma. We, um, we had then, Connor on here and we went through United's every transfer they'd done since uh, Fergie left and he had to give a hit or a miss for the signing. Yeah. He gave Bailly a hit, which we were surprised at because he's had more concussions than clean sheets. Weirdly, the, like most of the United fans that I'm friends with or I know actually rate Bailly. I'm one of the few who I see don't. this a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I, like I said, like he can, when he's good, he's very good. But it's always like one step forward, two steps back with him. Like the next game, mm. even 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 in the Spurs game yesterday, actually, there was they were trying to play it out from the back, and he just passed the ball away. It's just he's always got a mistake in him, and yeah, when when your main two centre backs aren't in form as well, you need someone who's just going to be steady, hold the ship. Like I said, Smallin would have, he's he's not your first choice, but he's good enough as backup. Um, but yeah, the, the others like Rojo and. Jones. One of those rare ones that Merson got right in there where he was saying, look, there's a reason he's played in the back three. There's a reason yeah. for it. He's not going to make that much of a difference. He'll make them better. He's not going to make them £80 million better. And look, Yeah, he made us better than, than what we had. But yeah, when, when he's not playing Sean well, likes to see, a broken clock is uh, twice a day. I'd like to see us go into. Sorry, I'd like to just see us go in and go in for the uh, what's his name, Upper Makano at Leipzig. Yeah, mm. I think he's got a lot of potential. He's, he's only twenty-one, isn't he? I think so. I think he's twenty-two now, but 22. he was twenty-one at the time. It's strange because he had the forty million release clause there, which sorry, it was sixty, and then it, every year it dropped by ten million pounds until mm. eventually his contract expired. So I believe it was down to fifty million. Which, as I said, when we look at the price tag of other centre backs there, you compare Ben Godfrey, who's gone for 25 million, which we'll get onto, and you say, is it Meccano twice the player Ben Godfrey is at the moment? You say yes. So it seems nailed on. He signs a new deal so they can get more money for it. He has one good game in the Champions League against Atletico, was it? And then suddenly, Every team in Europe wants to sign him again and are saying, I can't believe this. His release clause doesn't go down till next year when he's 40 million again. So that was, a, was one where I guess you were going to be ridiculed if you did sign him at that time. Like Arsenal refusing to sell Kieran Gibbs for 10 million and selling him a month later for 7 million. It would be of that kind of ilk where you were going to be ridiculed and then you look at the rest of the market. You spent money today, which we'll get onto, but Kula Bali's out there for about 70 million, and you think they probably needed that more than Sancho, but I guess we'll get onto it. If we go on to <laughs> Liverpool, and then we'll go on to the transfer business. So, TK, it's time for you to uh, hold your lips here like Goff has. Before my, so, uh, before my roast, yeah, go on. 
I was just thinking that uh, I was trying to think what that uh, slow mo of Ollie watching Luke Shaw do that tackle was like. And in my head, I had do you remember that uh, that vine of that Scottish boat getting hit by a bus? And the boat going. <laughs> <"Ali, stop."> <laughs> 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 like it's happened that many times before and I guess it probably has for Luke Shaw yeah. oh god I'm going to have to meet myself <laughs> well I mean CK we'll have to wipe the smile off your face here I'm afraid um, back down to earth for a bump yeah, yeah Premier League champions Liverpool fell to a shocking 7-2 defeat against Aston Villa on Sunday. First defeat of the campaign. Ollie Watkins scored the first half hat-trick. Villa are 4-1 at the interval. As I alluded to on Twitter, it's one of them where immediately you regret popping off your own jokes on a timeline an hour before <laughs> because it really can change that quickly. And this is to say, there are United fans who seem to think their loss was wiped out because Liverpool lost afterwards. Yeah, I've seen a fair bit of that. story. <laughs> <laughs> so, at what point did you realise the game was gone? Uh, yeah, probably when the fourth went in, I did think, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure this is happening. The, the main concern being, it's not that I didn't think we could score goals, it was that I thought we do not look like we're going to stop conceding it. <laughs> It could have been worse. It, it, one of the, I know it, that's often like a common thing to say this, but it literally it could have been 10 or so. Yeah. The, the goals conceded were, I know Klopp said afterwards, when it's not your day, it's not your day. Mm. And I don't think that downplays Villa too much because he did say that they were the better team. But some of the goals that went in, when it's not your day, it, it's really not your day. <laughs> yeah, the two deflections. By all means, you could say the players should be more committed to the block and maybe that doesn't happen but those are kind of freakish goals but what there was already three goals up by then so yeah it doesn't really matter does it uh, when you've kind of got when you don't turn up yourself when Villa do turn up and then you don't have luck either you kind of the end result is pretty awful I don't know if this will make you feel any better so at half time when you're 4-1 down um I put five pound on you to draw and five pound on you to win, so I could be happy no matter what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I did I've... sacrifice ten pounds for you to lose. <laughs> Money well spent, I'm sure you think. <laughs> yeah, because uh, before the game, I was convinced that uh, the unbeatables might be happening again. The invincibles. Yeah, I was going to say. I think we're just going to have an annual thing where Arsenal fans celebrate our victory, <laughs> and then. I find it weird I find it weird as well because I got completely stuck into all my Liverpool mates because of the absolute pelters I was getting thrown from the week previously with the old West Brom game <laughs> so I found myself kind of tweeting Liverpool like the good old days like you used to <laughs> without back too and, far for them good old days Jack. And, and now I'm trying to think that hang on a minute that's the first one I would have tweeted since Watford, and Watford would have been the first time I tweeted it. And I couldn't remember the last time you lost. So it was, like, <laughs> it was kind of a bittersweet moment to my realisation of tweeting loser ball. I was thinking, shit, hang on a minute, I've only been able to tweet this twice, probably three times in the Premier League in three years, which is kind of a daunting, a daunting stat when you look at it. 
one of them, like oh, when yeah. Ronda Rousey lost, when McGregor lost for the first time, so Floyd Mayweather was to lose. Because you don't assume it's going to happen again, you really do make the most of it when it does happen. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. Liverpool are going to have this every time they hold an L. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it does happen slightly more frequently now, but we kind of wrote off a lot of them. So this is kind of the first meaningful loss that we've considered, other than the Community Shield, since... Uh, <laughs> Paulie Watkins scored a trick in... Sorry, go on, Alex. It's, I, I, just like my perspective, I wasn't watching the game, and um, <laughs> I, I saw I saw the score flash up and 4-1, and I just, I, even though I read it as Aston Villa-Liverpool, I read it in my, in my head, I registered it as Liverpool 4, Aston Villa 1. You also corrected I also corrected it, and it was it literally it took it took it to the fifth goal went in for me to actually clock what was going on. At which point the match went straight on the TV. But it's just one of those it's one of those realizing moments where it makes you think, bloody hell, anything could happen in this in this league at any time at the moment. We've got some uh, breaking transfer news uh, for you, Jack. Um, Loftus Cheek has gone to Fulham uh, on loan. But we, yeah, we don't just know yet that. how much of uh, his wages uh, they're going to be paying. That's what that young lad needed at low spell. Get some games. I well, think the, pro- the problem is... 100, is... 150 grand a week, they said earlier, that he's on at Chelsea. Good luck. So, the problem is, is that during when Sarri was there, he was a staple part of that midfield. He was scoring goals. He scored a hat-trick. Um, and he was going really well. And then in a he was touted as our best midfielder at that point. And in a postseason friendly in the USA against the MLS All-Stars, a week before our final with Arsenal in the Europa League, he gets a ruptured Achilles, which keeps him out for almost 12 months. And now he's not been able to find the form that he had before, which if you're not playing regular football, you won't. So well, He's never been that good as it is. He was, and sorry, we were starting to see the player we thought Jack. was. He's played about 17 games that season. <laughs> <laughs> he's scored a lot of goals. Well, when, when England were on the run in the Cup... That's um, ridiculous he was, he was being, even in that squad. He was being the one who was touted as we should have him starting. And he started he, after he was ill, didn't he? And he was god-awful. He's a little bit like... Uh, Goff was talking about Bailly. Absence seems to make the heart grow fonder with these. Just The more they don't play, the better they seem to become. He was bad against Brighton, though. Really bad. Which was sad to see. Jack is I mean, right. Horrific getting an injury in that game they had, though. And range friendly in US at that time of year. Ridiculous. I know, he, exactly. He's played, he's, he's played really 54 great. games in seven years. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> of course. That's bad. So, I mean... Is that included in the Palace spell? Uh, no, the Palace spell, he's, he's got uh, 22 appearances in there with about half of them coming off the bench. I mean, even, yeah, even that's not fantastic. Jesus. Yeah, he averages about what, less than less than ten games a year, if even if you include the Palace oh, starts. So you can you can drop me out with his potential because one good game every <laughs> so often. Mustafi has a good game every so often. So should we just bench him for ten games afterwards, and we'll say that he's got this potential waiting to be unlocked? Isn't he like twenty four as well? We're going to have like Lingard or Barkley syndrome here. Yeah, he's 24. Yeah. Essentially, he he was gassed up during the World Cup because birds thought he was fit when they found his Instagram. 
<laughs> and he got a new contract off that. Off being fit. <laughs> <laughs> Literally what it is. Yeah, under Sarah's season, he's, he played 40 games, scoring 10 goals, 5 assists. It's more than William. So you can see why I was enamoured with him at that stage. He has some damn it, respect for William. Yeah. And that was two years ago. He's 22 then. And then he had the world at his feet. And he got that awful injury out for 12 months. He, we he was have less of, the, the, less of the William slander, please, because um, Stinky Werner is uh, dogging up the pitch. Stinky Werner. <laughs> Let's not get started on Havertz. Crikey. <laughs> Your Chelsea accounts say uh, we're going to have another masterclass today. When was the first one? <laughs> <laughs> I did score a hat-trick. Doesn't matter who it's against. A hat-trick's a hat-trick. Fran Marida scored against Liverpool in uh, the League Cup. Yeah, what a legend. We, still we didn't call it a masterclass. Back to the Liverpool game. Yeah. Ollie Watkins scored a hat-trick in the first half. And the first thing I thought here was um, there was a lot of comparisons made between him and Callum Wilson. It was going to be whichever one Newcastle signed, essentially Villa were getting the other. They were both linked with both. And Callum Wilson seemed to be the number one target out of the two of them. Mm-hmm. Watkins has scored his first goals, admittedly, against Liverpool with a hat-trick, but it doesn't look to be much of a difference between them. And in terms of like open play, Ollie Watkins looks like he's been a Premier League player for five years. He doesn't look like he's just come up from the Championship. Uh, mainly going off this game as well, it looks like he can do more than Wilson as well in terms of yeah. linker play, holding up the ball, as well as the other you know, aspects of the game, getting him behind and scoring goals. So... I, I don't know whether to judge him too much of this one where we were dreadful, but he does look the part. Well, it's been made to it's made to sound lazy when you call like a player powerful now because United kind of uh, trademark the pace and power dynamic. But he did, he did look like powerful. He doesn't look like he runs like past players. He looks like he runs through them Bulldozer and he's yeah. going to get past. Like he'd run to set up his uh, second goal, which he put top bins. Isn't great defending because he's literally been shown inside on his uh, right foot, but it is also very much like man on a mission stuff. Like he's going to do that, and that's what Villa need. You can't rely on someone like they had in previous years or someone like Haller at West Ham, where you're kind of looking for the game to come to him. Watkins mm. is going to take the game to whoever they're playing. Which, when you're scrapping for points, he's the type of signing they could have done with a year ago. I think that's the missing part of the puzzle, almost, isn't mm. it, for Aston Villa? They had a decent team. It just had no one to stick it in the back of the net. Didn't take it their chances. It frees up Grealish because, like, you look at the last couple of games with Arsenal, and I know we're not talking about them too much today in terms of the matches, but teams have kind of realised that if they can shore up the left-hand side, then Arsenal are going to have to find another way about it, which is going to make it a lot more difficult. And it's kind of the same with Grealish, isn't it? What If you were yeah. playing Villa and you can lock down Grealish, you're almost <laughs> saying, like, when you when you would play... And you see, you'd see in uh, basketball, you kind of try and mark Harden out of it and say someone else has to take the shot. And yeah, it's exactly. Basically, that kind of thing where you play Villa, but now they've got McGinn back in there, they've got Ollie Watkins in there, they've got Douglas Luiz who um, looked decent enough. And as long as they have more outlets, Ross Barkley looked the best he's looked in years. So that's the thing, isn't it? I suppose say what you want about Ross Barkley, but you've signed a Chelsea midfielder for a season. That's going to add something to an Aston Villa team. Well, I'm sure if you asked 100 Chelsea fans who they prefer out of Ross Barkley and Loftus-Cheek, 
90% are going to say Loftus-Cheek. Yeah, you're probably right. And probably if you asked fans outside of Chelsea supporters who they'd rather have in their team, I'd imagine it's probably a similar way for, for Barkley. Mm. And I'm not writing right off that Barkley is an incredibly frustrating player. Mm. Yesterday was one of those games where things were going right for him. Yeah. But I think you might get more upside if you if you look back at some under 18 videos from Loftus Cheek. But I think when they said well, that Villa had the choice of Barkley and Loftus Cheek, it seemed a no brainer for me. I think with Barkley, you've got when you're playing in a Chelsea team and you're playing against two banks of four, it's going to be a lot different when you're playing in an Aston Villa team where teams will usually be on the offensive because they'll see you as a team that they need to get three points against. Um, and when you kind of go between the lines of the midfield and in front of the defence and they're backtracking, that really does suit Ross Barkley down to the ground. And that's what allowed him to burst onto the scene with Everton, if you remember, those kind of bursting yeah. runs through the banks and yes. then breaking the lines up. Whereas at Chelsea, when you're playing against those two banks of four sitting around their own 18-yard box, he does look a more frustrating player because he just doesn't have that, like, kind of what the player that I think of is, like a David Silver or a Kevin De Bruyne, to kind of, I know we're talking top echelons in the fielders here, but that now is to be able to break down those lines. But you put him in to a team where they're going to be playing with lots of space, potentially on the counter, he'll fit right in and look great. If, if we shift it back to Liverpool, because we don't really want to let TK off that easily. Yeah. So, absolutely. Adrian starts things <laughs> off with, with a big mistake at the back. And I guess the idea for Liverpool has been that they've signed players necessarily where there could be better players out there. And maybe that was why Werner, despite what I've just said, didn't make as much sense. And you sign players so if someone drops out, it's next man in and you don't have to change the way that you're playing. Right. So you're looking yeah. for a dynamic fullback keeper. And I guess there, there just aren't many keepers that can do what Alisson does. And so maybe you should be making some more adjustments than saying, Alisson, go out there and do what Alisson does so well for us. Because if he nearly doesn't get away with it, Adrian's not going to get away with it. Yeah, it's true. And, and Adrian's, I think, an alright keeper, but you do see just how good Alisson is with the drop-off when you watch Adrian play. Uh, having said that, I think this is something that gets played out a lot, you know, when we talk about playing out from the back and things like that. That was barely even a five-yard pass. Yeah, I, I don't think it's too much to be able to ask someone to make that keeper or not. I think it's just a complete cock up on his part. You can talk about, you know, stars of play and whatever. You can say, like, oh, he should have gone long. I don't think we're asking too much for him to be able to pass a ball. Right? It's like watching him pass fucking kidney stones. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you had to, say, do a power rankings of. Uh... Hey, you had to pin, pin the game on three players yesterday with most default from Liverpool. Where would Adrian be in that three? Oh, to be fair, the fact that that kick starts it, I mean, you could actually put him at number one. You know, if we settle into the game a bit more, who knows? It seems like it was just going to go wrong whichever way. Uh, I guess Joe Gomez is going to be probably the proper choice to number one, isn't it? Um, maybe... Tr- I couldn't reduce it to three. Genuinely couldn't reduce it to three. I think Salah looked all right, but we obviously never got the ball to him. I thought he looked sharp. Other than that, I thought everyone else was dreadful. 
is it not kind of what's been said about Klopp's team is that it's they say it's a well 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 machine in the way that you do need everyone in there doing their job to have the style of play work effectively. So it's kind of one person's not doing their job. Like if someone isn't doing the press correct when you play Liverpool, then yeah. that one person gets exploited. And so I guess That's if it. you have one person, or as you said, more than three people not doing their job. Yeah, 10 no people how not good doing the their job really isn't ideal. ideal. <laughs> you, do you think 7-2 seven, seven, when you look at it? So <laughs> do you think it, Flattered Villa or was harsh on Liverpool or, or somewhere in between? I thought it was a, a fair reflection of the game. There. It really could have been worse. You know, kind of good watching it. You said about Neville earlier. It's kind of almost the perfect game to showcase them watching it because they were both just like two fans watching it, weren't they? Where he was almost screaming at it, saying like, "What are they doing?" and laughing at it at times, which it was. <laughs> it was you almost couldn't really believe what you were seeing. Um, is the fact that no one was able to sort of correct it. And it did just I remember like, with um, the 8-2 against United where you can be angry for the first couple of goals and then much like Carragher, you do have to laugh by the end of it because it's cliche, but there isn't anything else you can do at that point. It was the nature of it as well, wasn't it? Just so so open, just so vulnerable constantly. I mean, they were saying... Every time Villa attacked, they looked dangerous. Every time they got out of their own box, they looked dangerous. For any of Sky's critics about having Neville commenting United games and uh, Carragher doing Liverpool, I guess that would be the answer they have for the critics. But say that happened on BT Sport, it's not the same if you've got Steve McManaman commentating on that or if you've got whether they have a, you know, if they have Hargreaves doing the United one. I guess there's some silver lining now because listening to Stephen Manaman comment on that would have been. That's, that's what. So, oh. it, it is. They are very unique in that sense that those are the only two who we do almost tolerate it with. Like, I go and into it, an Arsenal game against United or Liverpool, and it, it's annoying at times when the bias does come through, but they're the only two that you really could accept it from. And for what it's worth, they are pretty much as objective as you can be, and they do call it as they see it. If they yeah, we said that the Leeds we penalty, didn't we? Yeah, 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 exactly. So, hey, Klopp said afterwards, he said, uh, it's hard to lose the way we lost tonight. First and foremost, well done to Aston Villa. We have to give them the credit they deserve. One of the, oh no, sorry, this is Van Dyke. It's one of those performances where we weren't 100% at it from start to finish, which Villa had, Villa had 18 shots on goal. And could have had more by the final whistle. This is this is the first time that reigning Premier League champions have conceded seven in a game in English football. As you'd probably expect, yeah, that, that just didn't seem as bad of a stat as this is the first weekend that United and Liverpool have both conceded <laughs> six. Uh... It's like one of them records where it's like the bloke that ran the hundred meters with his hat on backwards and egg under his hat and shoes on the wrong feet. It's like for the reason he's the only one. Like someone running in a wetsuit, Alex, which uh, <laughs> we could have had. I wondered, I wondered if you were going to angle for that. Yeah. If you were a fan, and I'll ask this to Alex and Jack, so say you had to put yourselves in the shoes of a United fan, a Liverpool fan, and I think it'd be easy to say you'd rather be a Liverpool fan at this moment in time because you'd imagine they're going to bounce back a bit quicker. But if you had to put yourselves in the shoes and say... 
for which fan, which team you'd be more worried for in their circumstances. So United, you'd say, maintaining top four. Liverpool, in terms of maintaining the Premier League title. Which would you be more worried for the team not achieving? I think, obviously, Man United. It's yeah, so yeah. clear as day from the way that they're playing football, from the way that their players look on the pitch, from the manager they, they have. You know that that was a blip with Liverpool. You've never seen that. We probably won't yeah. ever see that again. It's a blip that they've conceded seven, but going back to the Watford game, they've looked bad more than they've looked good since in that time. They've actually looked best against Arsenal, which is unfortunate for us. No, you make a good point. At the same time, when you talk about reaching their goals, I think there's going to be more competitions top four that are better than Man United than the title are with Liverpool. We saw City ship five goals to Leicester and draw 1-1 with Leeds. So, and that's nothing against Leeds because that was a fantastic game of football. But I think Liverpool will recover quicker. They've got the players to do it. Whereas Man United, I, if I was a United fan, I'd be very, very fearful. Um, because with obviously the transfer window is shutting today and obviously looking like they're going to be adding Cavani, which could be another. Hey, we'll get on to that. Um, and then obviously Tellers. I think would, I'd be more worried definitely if I was a United fan. Would you disagree with that, Goff, or would you agree? No, I wouldn't disagree at all. Um, going back to what you said about bouncing back, if you were going to put money on who's going to bounce back after that in the next game after the international break, it's, I'm pretty sure it'd be close to 100% of people would say Liverpool. Um, yeah, touching on the Cavani signing is kind of ignoring the problems in defence, but I'm sure we'll get into that. I think as well that it's more of the fact that every game that I've seen United play recently should have lost by some considerable margin. And they were very lucky not to lose to Brighton. We could have been looking at a United team going in with three losses into the international break, being rock bottom at the table. That's what we could have been if it wasn't for a fucking 96-point penalty. I've got to say... I think that it's, I, I'm going to agree with Jack on this, but sort of say from Liverpool's match, so I watched the highlights and I don't think there's anything in the way that they conceded the goals. I think it was more along the lines of there was maybe a bit of arrogance in the way they went about trying to fix the situation in the game in the respect that their mindset was probably going along, along the lines of we're the champions. Okay. You've, you've, you've maybe, you've maybe scored. Four against us. You've put four passes, three passes, us, but we'll go and score five. Um, and you know, remember these guys are coming off the back of their big title win. Um, you know, it's. I think there will be a degree, a, a, you know, a justified degree of arrogance about them in the respect of how they go about handling a situation like that. Um, I wouldn't say there's anything in the way that Liverpool performed uh, in the way that they performed at the back in terms of a consistent problem in their defence that was obvious. I think it was just an all around. They couldn't give a fuck about what they were give, what they were conceding at the back. They didn't make any attempts to fix the situation in the way that they set up at the back. There was no degree of composure. There was no clinical composure in the way that those defenders went about rectifying the mistakes that they made prior to that. It was just all about going forward and trying to ch- cancel out the situation by scoring more goals. But we know that's a bit of what Klopp can generate in his sides anyway, the, the rock and roll football. But United, United, it was just an app. You'd say that the United performance was they got absolutely steamrolled in all areas of the pitch, and there was nothing about that squad which made them look 
remotely like they'd be able to fight back. Um, if, you know, they, they look, they, those United players look more defeated than those Liverpool players, if that makes sense. What I found yeah. funny about the Liverpool game was the high line that they considered, they continue to persevere with. I find that such an odd thing to do against teams that want to hit Liverpool on the break. I would, I would say, it's an odd thing, and Carrie commented on this, that no one is able to rectify during the game. We think, look, this ain't working, sort it out, and we'll, we'll work out, work it out. But in general, we're saying this, and the pundits say it, like we've had no degree of success in the last two years, <laughs> and we've done exactly the same thing. Yeah. We, can, we can't just say, oh, it's terrible when it goes wrong, because these games, as we pointed out, are in a minority. Yeah. If- Wouldn't you say, though, that that high line's only come in recently, that... You weren't playing that high last year. They were playing a high line last year because the difference between them missing out on the league the year before and the only real difference in the team was that the line came slightly higher. Yeah. I really don't think it's a problem when, like TK said, the performance like that Performances like that are in such a small minority. If you start to see a regular, if you start to see a regular problem now, where teams are starting to work out how to break down Liverpool and take advantage of that situation, even not not even necessarily to a consistent degree in the way that Aston Villa did, but just in a more, you know, nicking a goal here and there where they probably should be conceded, then it's a problem. I um, think right. I think that's where probably credit is due to Villa. I think they had been working on that in training. If you, I think you could see it in. I'm surprised more teams don't, and I'm sure they'll probably look to now in particular. But sort of in transition, it's Villa look like they knew exactly how they're doing, and they're going to get caught offside sometimes. But sometimes they're going to get in. Um, and I guess that's the only other thing with how you think Liverpool are going to respond is is their confidence shook at all? Because I think you have to be confident to play like that. And if it's even off just slightly, then it could be a problem. And for example, hooking Joe Gomez could kill him a little bit as well. If I um jump in and we'll go through the deadline day business because uh, uh, we've still got plenty to get into there. So, most recent news we've seen is uh, Jack Wilshere has just had his contract terminated by mutual consent by West Ham. Oh, Jesus. So, That's a shame. So, he's now without a club. He, he was oh. on £100,000 a week, so <sighs> you can understand. But, look, that's West Ham's <laughs> fault for paying him that. No other club was going to pay him that. So. That's quite a depressing story, that. It it is. Um, I'm sure we'll find some. I know Joe Cole recommended that he goes to the MLS and applies uh, his trade there, where he'll have a much better time. And he did also say that when you are injured, you are living in sunny Tampa or somewhere like that, which maybe isn't the best advice for him. But that's what Joe Cole told him. <laughs> Joe Cole didn't even go to the MLS. He went to the equivalent of the Championship for fuck's sake. Some club will pick him up. He yeah yeah yeah. Like we we just said with uh, Loftus Cheek with Jack where he's still saying the talent's still there some club like a bird who takes in the bloke that's been cheated on everybody's been with they're going to say I'm the one who can unlock this potential so <laughs> yeah. whether it's France I don't think whether it's, a, it's, it's Spain it's Italy case, or America it's not a case of unlocking potential is it it's just how do you keep this guy fit well, I, the... I know we've seen in basketball where um, I think it was I'm going to say Dwayne... No, uh, not Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Howard. Uh, Derek Rose. Derek Rose, oh. I think. Oh. Um, so he was very talented. He was the MVP back in 2011, I think. And essentially, he's another one who had injury after injury after injury. And they essentially had to put a plan in place where 
his training was all but to keep him at a fit enough level to be able to play basketball. And then he would have like four hours of just massages and therapy and injections and things the day before a game. And then after the game, he'd go and he'd have another four hours of treatment afterwards just to keep his body in check to be able to play constantly. And it's not going to be like that for Wilshire because they play what every two days in the NBA, every two, three days. But he's still going to need something like that where he's has a specifically tailored training regimen that's literally there just to keep him fit. And if he's in the MLS, he can still have probably the camaraderie with the squad where he's seeing them enough that he's not just isolated. But he, there's nothing that they can teach him now that he doesn't already know in the MLS that he can't implement over there. So that's probably what going to be what they're going to have to do, whoever takes it. And he's probably going to get offered a pay-as-you-play deal because Andy Carroll has kind of set a precedent there where he's on about £20,000 a week and it only goes above that when he's playing football. It's a rough time for uh, Jackie Wilsh. Paddy McNair I don't have any owes him an apology. Do you see that when he's in I don't know what wow. for. What? Why? Take this. You piece of work. Because, Go on, uh, because, because why? Uh, because, unfortunately, injuries in sport are part and parcel of what sport, you know, it, it, that's a part and the parcel. The whinging we had from you when no. you fell off your bike. And he has it <laughs> every other week. Yeah. But the problem so is... So the, the problem is... You could is, do a podcast. That, you could the, do a the, podcast where you have to just sit and talk. The problem is, is that he... He has got injured consistently and he's, I don't think he's done enough to adapt his game and adapt the way he's going about his sport and career to avoid these injuries. There's certain things that you can do and there's certain things that you can implement to help your body adjust to these certain situations. Even if it's making so, a conscious decision on the pitch to not put yourself in situations which you know are going to put you at risk. So you, you don't know, think that £100,000 a week Jack Wilshire has done enough to prevent himself being injured? Because I'm sure he's probably had these thoughts himself at some point over the last ten years. I I I don't. I, it comes down to we've seen what we've seen a little bit of, but what is that achieved? Well, Harry Kane gets injured every year, so is that his fault? I don't. I no. I don't have sympathy for Kane if he gets injured consistently in the way. Like you know, he is he is starting to border on that a little bit. You know, he, he has to adapt his game to prevent himself from getting injured in the degree that he does. Is it, you know, it, it, it's a bad, it's an unfortunate thing that his body's got that vulnerability, but you need to, you know, it's, it's take, take, take Bale, for example. So take Bale, for example. If he, if he's, if he comes and starts playing for us and he starts to try and go to speeds and play the way that he used to play with, for us, knowing very well that he's later on in his career now, his legs aren't going to have that, that in him. He's, his reaction time isn't going to be as good and he gets injured. I, I wouldn't have any sympathy for him because he's got to understand that there are limitations on what his body's, body's capable of doing. So you change the way you play. You know, I, I don't think... I don't think the team any- isn't going to sign him to say, look, Jack, we're signing you because of how you run with the ball, how you break the lines. But now that we've signed you, completely go against all of that. Just be like you're playing netball and just anytime it's someone comes near you, get rid of that ball. When we've seen him at his best, when we've seen him at his best, he can't do that when he's injured. So the best, the best case scenario is that he tries something different and adapt his game. Provide he's tried it. Get, how so? Give me what has he done? What has he done that's worked? 
Or, well, he, 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 tell me exactly his essentially what was he had to assess. He had to assess on the pitch the challenges he was going in for because he used to go in for everything, but. He's not going to change his entire style of play because... Yeah, but off the pitch. Off the pitch as well. He doesn't... Off the, the pitch? pitch? What do you think he's doing off the nah, pitch? He he's, got two, he's, he's, got, he's got three kids. He's jumping so on the he's not, he's not off going here, there <laughs> and everywhere. No, nah, he's never struck me as a player who's going to be doing... like. Oh, so it's your assumption, like, basically. Go... <laughs> yeah, never has. He never has struck me as that this player. You'll be, telling, you'll be telling birds what to wear on nights out next just in case something happens to them. That's the equivalent you just made. And I'll tell you what's happened here. I'll tell you what's happened here. I'll tell you what's happened here. With Troy gone, there's a portion of our fan base that's looking for someone to cling to. And Alex is trying to be that guy with these hot takes. And I don't like it. Protective. You're getting protective over your old Arsenal, boy. Look, if it was a okay comment, then I would have accepted it, but Making rash assumptions about it's his own fault he's getting injured. Go and look at the clips of the tackles that have injured him. He's fragile, no doubt, but I'm not sure there's a lot he can do when he's getting two-footed by Paddy McNair. Sturridge adapted how he played. He just stopped running. (laughs) I'm just not going to sprint anymore. Okay, great. Sturridge briefly tried to turn into John Wick. (laughs) Anyway, United. So, United's response to uh, losing 6-1 at home. But the home part of that is being overlooked. I think the fact that that was at Old Trafford. But Cavani has been signed away for the official announcement on that. Alex Tells has been signed. We've had the official announcements on it. United have agreed a £30 million fee for Amad Traore from Atalanta. And they've agreed a £10 million fee for Facundo Palistri from whoever Diego Forlan manages. <laughs> they, made an, they made an inquiry for Ishmael Assar today where they weren't happy with the 45 million valuation that was put on. Um, him, Watford wanted 25 million up front and 20 at the end of the loan spell. Or they would still have to pay at least the 25 million if they didn't want to keep him. Usman Dembele was another one that was being discussed. It was said that Barca wouldn't budge on it being a permanent move, but it's come out in the last hour that they did relax on that and they were prepared to let him go on loan as long as United win a cover of wages and pay a loan fee, which is standard, but I'd imagine the fee probably more expensive than what you'd usually get. Is it? Is it United just have declined that, so... Is it just me? I don't know if it's just because I'm thinking of Tottenham, but has there been a lot more high-profile loan moves in this window than previous years? In terms well, of players, it's it's always the case in Italy, <laughs> usually, but over here, like, teams can't afford it. So they're essentially giving IOUs so that teams can still go about business saying that on the cards, they've got this money coming in. But It, teams, it, it is a growing trend. If you look at 10 to 15 years ago, Big clubs wouldn't be discussing loan moves between themselves. It'd be permanent or nothing. It's an interesting one. Well, today, I guess it's testament to how much they cost now, isn't it? It's... Yeah, and, and the fact that loan fees have become standard is, I guess, the clubs are thinking we are getting some for this. Yeah, once upon a time, that wasn't a thing. Exactly. Juventus agreed a deal today for um, Federico Chiesa from my Fiorentina boys. And that's a two year loan, so they're only paying a fee, a minimal fee up front. And then essentially what happened is he had to sign a new deal with Fiorentina because 
I believe it may have expired within that time or it would have been one year left or something. So he had to sign that, but they still have the obligation to buy. So we had to sign a new contract with Fiorentina so we could move to Juventus. So that was about £60 million, I think, that they're paying a small amount of that up front and the rest in two years' time. All it means is for a lot of these Italians, then it comes to the next year and they say we can't do it because we're paying for last year's transfers, so we'll need to do loans again and so on. But PSG alone is disrespectful as well. PSG we've seen today have been trying to sign players for free and on loan and things like that. So it really has hit everyone. Yeah, I've seen a PSG asked Arsenal to um, get rid of Socrates' contract, yeah, so they could sign him for free. Yeah, a lot of people have tried out with Socrates. It's quite insulting to him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we probably won't register him now, so no one's a winner there. Um. In if we start with Cavani then Goff, yeah. If if you give us what your first instincts was, what your first reaction was when you saw it flash up, when you kind of realised there's too many people reporting this now for it not to be happening, and whether that changed in the time that it's got a little closer, we're just waiting for the announcement there. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of torn on it because obviously everyone's going down the whole Falcao route of what yeah. happened before. You'd, you'd hope it would be more of Ibrahimovic signing. Don't get me wrong, he's a very good striker. He's, his stats don't lie. Um, but yeah, as everyone's aware, he's 33 years old. Aren't we paying him 10 million a year in wages or something? Which yeah, and the agency ridiculous. was around that. Yeah. When the reasons of not going for people like Sancho, who we like to tell everyone we were going for, we we saying we couldn't necessarily afford it, but then you're happy to shell out all this extra money in agent fees and for a 33-year-old striker. I just think on the surface is a good, only time will tell, on the surface it's a good, okay signing in that it gives us another option up front going back to that squad, squad depth. But again, the three games so far this season have just highlighted, I think you need to sort out the defence and probably also a holding midfielder or someone who can help protect the defence. You need to sort well, believe, that out before a striker, I'd say. Does he not start it's though? A two-year deal, and both have a say in whether that continues for the second year. But I'm not too sure how that works. Does Does he not start for you then? Mm, that's the thing. I think. At, at, at the, I was going to say at, at the moment you'd have to say yes, just because Martial hasn't started the season well, and the only other option we got is Ivalo. So, yeah. If Martial so, started banging the goals in, then you wouldn't be able to start him. So what? So what you're saying is that he starts ahead of Martial, and Martial doesn't complement him. So he doesn't add to your squad; he replaces in the squad. Yeah, if you're going if you're going off the basis that Solskjaer's playing the, the normal formation, where he's playing one through the middle and two out wide. Rush. When when do you think United decided that this was a move they were going to make? Because you'd assume. Cavani's been free for about two months now and mm. he's had two moves fall through. So it's not like United were itching to jump in, like, please don't move here. So you had the result against Palace, the result against Brighton and then this. And we know it was agreed before this one, but what do you think was the, the trigger point where the powers that beat United were like, look, Cavani's a guy we've got to go and get? But that's, it's, it's just Ed, isn't it? It's, no one really knows what's going on with his brain. But I the think... Ibrahimovic one... Fans were on board with it because it was like it's a one-year deal. Yeah, we'll see what he can do. 
and hopefully he gets us to the title. Whereas this one, I've not it's seen almost as if, any fan that is happy with it. It's almost as if, like, behind closed doors, although they kept saying the Sancho deal was going to go ahead, they knew it never was. I mean, you'd have to actually make a bid for a start. Um, and it's almost as though it's, it probably, you could be classed as a panic buy. Some kind of like big name marquee sign in just to appease the fans, but it's not gonna it's not gonna work that way in the way it's intended to. Alex Tellers is is, is a great sign in. Um, admittedly, um, and I've said this one before, I'm basing this mainly from Football Manager, where <laughs> he did score over twenty goals for me in one season in a Champions League winning scene for Leon, but fifteen point four million. Essentially, he has to be better than Luke Shaw is. That's his kind of what he's got to beat. Yeah, that's it. That's his ballpark he has to reach, isn't it? Which I'm not sure he goes straight into the team because for the international break, it's not like he has two weeks where he's at the training ground. He is on international duty. So you can imagine yeah. Shaw will probably start the first game back. And it's ironic that we said on this last week, I know you were on, Shaw being the one that was asking for replacements and left back was the first place United were looking to do business. It was strange there. No, you're right. I, I agree. I think that Shaw will start the next game. Um, but yeah, obviously long term, Tellus is the one which yeah. is going to be first choice. But as you said, it's going to take a few weeks for him to to get into that start at 11. We also saw then you agreed a 30 million euro fee for Amatriore who's played uh, 30 minutes so far of professional football. I know United were linked with him earlier in the window, but it's not doing much for fans when you add up 30 million for Amatriore, you add up 10 million for Palistri, and you add up yeah. what Cavani is probably going to cost in wages, agent fees, and all that kind of thing. Well, that's going United back to fans, what I'm saying. Yeah. That's- Going back to what I'm saying is there's there's more pressing matters which need to be addressed first, I think. Like, don't get me wrong, obviously Amatore and the, the centre back are ones for the future. But I think I'm Amatore is born in two thousand Yeah, he's born in two thousand and two or something. Yeah. So he's like eighteen years old. Um Jeez. yeah, they're obviously not being brought in to uh to go into the start of eleven. But when you've got uh, more urgent and pressing things to sort out I think you need to get your house in order first before you're starting to sign future prospects. I've seen a couple of things that he can't join straight away, essentially, because he doesn't have an Italian passport. Is that just terminology or is that quite literally he just doesn't have a passport? Because it seems that that would have been a pretty clear thing to get in order when you're being linked with a move away. But they Or is it to do with his citizenship? They need to be there so he can get the Italian passport to then move like within Europe I don't understand what the reason in it is no no idea because they had it with Suarez but they said Suarez couldn't uh, join Juve and the complications there was with his citizenship so I don't know uh, Italy if it's just a nightmare the, uh, getting in there I know with the Suarez one the Suarez one was here trying to get him to take the ta- uh, Italian citizenship so they could cast him as a European player because they've oh, only got yeah. so many non-Europeans they can have and he cheated on <laughs> So, yeah, he actually got rumbled, didn't he? But um, I don't know what the other one was about. Going back to what um, Goss said about Cavani as well, though, I think part of the reason it looks like a panic buy is the fact that he's obviously been a free agent for a decent amount of time and you yeah. know, have only just got round to looking at him. I think that's got volumes. And also the, the Tellers deal seems to be like it's ongoing 
been arguing for weeks as United haggle over like a couple of million pounds. Just get it done. Yeah, they, they asked for they 22 spend. million at first and they've got it down to about 15. By but all means, then, haggle, but if he's your man, he's your man. It's not huge money we're talking about at this stage. No. The money you have on, been willing to spend. Yeah, depending on how they rate him, if you ask United now, would they pay 7 million to have not lost 6-1 to Spurs? I'd be interested in what the answer is. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of wide players, Goff, so you, you've had Ishmael Assar been linked, you had David Brooks earlier in the window that was being heavily linked, um, <laughs> Usman Dembele was one today. Do you put any of those down as panicking? Because it felt like today that United were just loading up the transfer list on FIFA where it's that easy and chucking whatever money they could. But Or is, it, is there that desperate of a need for a wide right-sided player? Mm. that's the thing it's like you just said it was just going down the list of oh there's our first target second target third target fourth target and so on it's just if you've come out at the beginning of the transfer window and said right Sancho is our target okay hundred what was it 107 million 110 million they wanted yeah. is overpriced but you've got that thing where the ridiculous rule where he's English so that's about 20 million on his price <laughs> And the fact that we've clearly lived in everyone's heads rent-free since the 90s, so that adds another 20 million on our price because when people now think... I don't think the Maguire signing helped. No, exactly. People know that we're we're not necessarily panic-buying, but people know that we're a bit more desperate than in the past. So, again, that adds another 10, 15 million on. I think it was... I, I, I was chatting to you. I'm not sure if it's... Sorry, Alex. I'm not sure if it was on the podcast, but we were saying usually with United... If they've come this far, it's too much of a bad look to not get the player. So we yeah. kind of expected that, look, if we have to pay the extra 20 million, we'll pay the extra 20 million. Well, but, that's kind of that's kind of what I'm trying to say is like, if you've come out at the beginning saying, right, Sancho is our man, just go and get him. Don't stall the whole window and then come out with all these alternative players. Or like, just don't, just don't talk about Sancho to begin with. Yeah. Basically. I, I yeah. think... I don't. I don't think. I don't think the pulling power of Solskjaer is being talked about enough in terms of the lack of it. I mean, you look at the United. I don't think they've ever in this window. I disagree. I don't think. I don't think this entire window, Man United have looked in a strong position at all from a buying perspective. You look at Chelsea. Who right? You got so Chelsea. If you draw the example for Chelsea versus Man United in this situation, you've got two ex-players managing the squad. Lampard is Solskjaer doesn't have any pulling power compared to Lampard no. in terms of what they've been able to pull off. I mean, you I look at Lampard, they, if... they, they, they've got, Lampard as Chelsea have gone in and got the exact like, the exact players that they want. That's no, not Lampard's that's... pulling power though. That's They were the only one in for those players. If, if Liverpool had gone in for Werner, <laughs> Werner's going to Liverpool. If yeah, United had gone, gone in for Havertz, Havertz was going to United. If Ziyech had gone in, if United had gone in for Ziyech, Ziyech was going to United. Well, I think that's more to say about other teams' poor transfer um, scope more than. Oh yeah, Chelsea I, had I, the money; they went and spent it. But I'm just saying, no, I don't I, think I, it's a Solskjaer issue. I think it's a. I, I, I disagree. I think it is think a Solskjaer issue. As much as they didn't go for those players, it's still right. Man United. Maybe it's a Man United that, issue. Maybe it's a United issue because you look at the you look at the players that have gone to United in the last in the last five windows, and look how many have turned out to be a success. Unfortunately, it's back. You know, I know Chelsea. The have joined, though, so it's not a pulling issue. Yeah, it's more the, the, the players the, the, they're going for. 
a player United now, a player starting to look at United now and going, "Am I going to be successful there?" You look at Pogba; yeah. he's not going anywhere. Now, you, my my point on this, Mike, just that, like, just into oh, you go, you go, TK, no, you go. I was I'm just going to say, there. it's not like it's not like they're agreeing fees and then players are saying, "Actually, I don't want to go." They're not even getting the deals agreed, so that suggests they have no ability to negotiate, rather than. You know, people say, oh, I don't want to he turned down Juve and Liverpool as well. My... Also, sorry, just also going back to the Sancho one, it's like, it's all right talking about it, but if you read all the reports, I think we've only actually put in like two offers of the whole summer. And it, yeah, it's fair. one thing, and just, everyone it's one said thing Sancho was ready to go. Exactly. It's one thing telling everybody that you're interested, but maybe just back it up and actually make an offer. <laughs> so just talk about it. Whilst Chelsea have obviously gone and Got their business done, didn't they? Yeah, they've they've identified their targets, put in an offer, done and dusted. Yeah, going back to what Byron said there about they're still Man United. Yeah, they are, but the same token that a kid, say for example, who was he's twenty years old now, right? Born in two thousand, ten years old, two thousand ten. That means that in the ten years that he will really remember football from ten onwards. Man United were dominant up until 2012, so two years of that. So eight years of his main football development here will have been seeing Man United in the chaos that is, them winning only three trophies with Jose, um, Jose Mourinho, and then the FA Cup with Van Gaal, after obviously Fergie leaving. So you say that they, they're still Man United. Yes, they are. Definitely they're still Man United. But for a kid growing up now who's 20 years old, who you would expect to be the next big thing, 18 to 2021, they're just seeing a team in chaos for their majority of their career developing. So I don't know if they are the same man. Yeah, I don't token. think it's the same because it's not like in Italy, say, AC Milan come in for you and it's maybe not the same then because you, if you look and say Roma are in for you as well and you're like, maybe this could be a bit better or say Inter. But with United, I'd say... If United are offering the exact same wages and the exact same offers to have it accepted, I think Liverpool's the only place that 90% of players are going to turn down in favour of. And that may be different if Liverpool weren't as successful as they are now. And so, by the way around, it might tip. But United are still United because whether you grow up seeing them win or not, you're still told they're United. You still have stories about them being United. United are still on TV more than any other club. So, I don't think the United... Paul's going anywhere, whether you have Ollie in charge. I think that's actually maybe why he's still in charge, because it doesn't affect him. I I would disagree with that, though, because at the same time that you look at the football that they've played and the managers that they've had and the amount of money that they've spent, and nothing has gone right. If you're a young player now, or even like a 25-year-old player, and you're thinking, right, I need five years at the top here to try and win the Champions League or try and win the Premier League, I don't think you'll go into my United. For those, Do you think for if Hazard's had the choice of United and Chelsea, you had 200 grand that you have to put on him picking United or him picking Chelsea, would you confidently put out 200 grand on Chelsea? Yeah, I would say so. In the last 20 years, we're the most successful team in England. I think, still, no one sees you like that outside of Chelsea fans. People put you in the same bracket as City. Kids, again, at the same time... If you want to win something, you're going to go to Chelsea because nine times out of ten, you'll win something. If you have a trophy this season, I've seen it's quite an anomaly. I think that's a, very, that's a very Chelsea attitude to have. Yeah. This what I mean. Outside of Chelsea, I don't think at, anyone thinks I, it. Okay, 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 okay. But listen to Man United, right? I think 
it's the fact that Night Night was so big for us growing up because they won everything when we were growing up and when we come to discover football. But from like a young player's perspective now, what have they won in the last eight years since Fergie? By the, by the same token though, Jack, no player that's signed for Liverpool recently should sign for Liverpool though. By that, because they would have had no memory of Liverpool having success. Okay. So, but I say metrics, I'm completely on what you're doing currently. Yeah, but if you look at the players that you've signed, right, we've had this discussion many times where you haven't signed any stars, they just work brilliantly as a unit. You look at that, you look at that team, you wouldn't say that you've gone and got. We haven't mixed someone off the team. Every player still says that because. Thiago was still twerking for Liverpool. Werner was doing the exact same. And you look at even say, listen, listen to how Joe Cole speaks about when he signed for Liverpool. And that's a good example because they've won absolutely niche. And well, Joe right, Cole is still time, absolutely yeah. gleaming about signing for Liverpool. So, but that's probably, I, that's probably a good example though, where Joe Cole wasn't exactly a good point in his career at that stage. So he's jumping in Liverpool scene. It's a great opportunity, but also, had Man United come, oh no, Man United's bad actually. <laughs> he, he's looking for first team opportunities at that point, isn't he, as well? That's, that's the other thing to factor in at that so, point. The, if Mayo came in for, if we went back 10 years been. ago, for example, and Liverpool and United both in for Thiago, Thiago's going to get to Man United, isn't it? So it's, yeah, yeah, it's like relevant. Ago, the history of the club of is coincided with what they're doing currently. It's, what, it's what, a, what a full package, is, isn't it? Since Fergie left, the reason why Man United get charged so much for transfers these days because you take it all the way back to what they paid Di Maria, what they paid Falcao. These transfers that didn't really yeah they work. don't ship this to a player pool though because we were yes, player pool is what I like to say. But that again, at the same token that those players went there because they were paid ridiculous amounts of money and then they hated it. And left. I think that was a bonus. I would I would say with it. Why do they leave then? Are they? Because they realise what it's like when they're there. Well, look, at, well, this is what I'm saying. You look, people will look at Pogba. Is this would be a good case study? Is he was one of the best midfielders in the world, touted to be one of the best Zidane kind of footsteps, and then he gets to Man United, and he doesn't even look as good as Indeed at the moment. But that, like, that's nothing to do with the pulling power of no. United. You telling no, me, no. Alex? If no, if United came in for Bale, where's Bale going? What I'm saying is, is that yeah, now, yeah, that's true. It, it our age group, it our age, it well, are looking at it now, is the fact that they will see these players that have gone to United in recent times, not won anything, not been developed, and not got any better. So they will look at Man United and think that's a bit of a poison chalice. I don't want to go there in particular. Yeah, so I think the pulling power has decreased because of that. Yeah, like what what Jack's saying is like there's no disrespect towards how big a club United is, it's always yes. going to have pulling power based on their pedigree. But I think players are looking at a club now and not seeing it as a route for their success. That's exactly you know, what I'm saying. I mean, Sancho was willing to go there and Dortmund are in a far better place than United are. So. If, I, I think, think Dortmund's a pathway club though, isn't it? That, and he's not going to go to City because he got ousted well, from on. their youth, if, their youth set up. I think also, we, know, we if, keep moving the goalposts. If you wanted, if you wanted a, yard, a measuring stick of the pulling power they still retain, I do partly agree with Jack. And I, I do think it has decreased. If you look at being offered a match transfer to Man United today compared to ten years ago, the pulling power is not the same as what it was. And I've seen it with Liverpool that the longer say you're feeling say Europa League for longer, it's harder when you're not in the Champions League, for example, like that. 
and, and the size of Liverpool really didn't make too much difference there. But they still retained some pulling back. For example, if Man United wanted to sign Harry Kane and went in with a bid, his head might be turned. And that should never happen. If you look at the two teams and where the directions, that shouldn't happen. The mm. reason it is is because of Man United. Jump. Exactly. I think he might. Which is the fact that we even have the discussion shows you something. If, Again, I think that's more of the case. Still got plenty more to go through before. Uh... Yeah, I was just this say, is a nice little sidetrack. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that Harry Kane, yes, he would have his head turned, but that's because he's probably going to think, "Shit, I'm going to go through my entire career and not win anything." But that because that could well happen. But yeah, also he's not necessarily going to yeah. win at United. That's not that's not a ready-made recipe to win things. No, I know, but you're um, still more likely to win something at United. Yeah, but, than you are but yeah, Spurs. why would he? That, why would he want to go to Man United? Because he's got the whole thing with people don't want to go to United. If we're talking about players that are being drawn, their player draw from Spurs or from Real Madrid, do you know what I mean? That's two different clubs, two different scenarios. I'll tell you, I think um, even with Sancho being a Chelsea fan, if he was offered Chelsea or United, I don't think you'd like where he went. Again, I I always thought in my head that he would come to Chelsea because he's best mates with Tammy Abraham as he, he's just been caught in a fucking surprise I, I, My <laughs> bold prediction at the start of the year was that uh, Sancho would be a Chelsea player this window. So Yeah, uh, I, I, I really... But... I basically, on my FIFA, before, just before we move on, before we start the transfer window open, I'd signed Chilwell, Ziyech, Werner, Havertz, all to my Chelsea team. You only can change around on the uh, yeah. home settings. And I put Sancho in there as well. And Sancho is the only one out of those ones that didn't come off. I was gutted because they usually do. So it's a bit of a mystic, mystic Meg scenario there. Speaking of um, pulling power, Thomas Party has now signed his Arsenal contract. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> uh, You've done Atleti so dirty. So, so dirty. £200,000 a week. Um, yeah, £200,000 a week uh, before tax. So I worked out earlier. It's, it's about... 117 grand a week, but there's bonuses and incentives in there as well. Four year deal, which will take him to the age of 31. Yeah, Arsenal have pulled this off at the last minute. Um, I did say last week if I could sign one midfielder for Arsenal, it would be Thomas Party. So we've got that one over the line. Hussein Awar is staying put. Arsenal are getting one midfielder, it looks like, but rather than being a uh, the likes of Jorginho or a backup. It's uh, at least you've got probably our, f- our first choice from the start of the window. So are, are you happy now, Brian? You were ready to rant. No, no, I'm still not happy, but I'm it's happier than I thought I would be at uh, nine o'clock this morning. Did yeah. Liverpool and Man United getting dipped kind of spoil your rant a little bit? No, because my thing is that. This is as easy a chance to get into the top four when you look at how the other teams are playing as it's been for years. And it was kind of like you looked at when Leicester won it and it was like, if we'd strengthened that bit more and we'd got Suarez Mm. over Giroud or something like that, it was there for the taking. And so this Mm. looked like, say Arsenal don't get top four at the end of the season, they can look, we can look at this window and say, well, it was there because. Yeah. It's going to take Chelsea a bit longer. I, I don't doubt those players are going to click at some point. United are United. Spurs are looking good, but I think, I think at least, I, it's at least there. So that was my point. And I think 
opportunity that you're kind of potentially losing out on. Yeah, so we, I, we're lacking creativity that. is 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 the issue, and mm. party doesn't solve that. But then at the oh. same time, I'm seeing people talk like he's just a, a solid defensive midfielder, which. I know Sean, I don't know if he was trying to call me out earlier or what asked me if I'd watched Party or not. And I've certainly gone and watched more since we were linked with him about a year ago. And he's a lot more than a defensive midfielder. I think he'll probably play as he's part of the midfield three. But yeah, he's box to box. He's not going to be getting us 10 goals a season. But he's at least there to try and hope that we aren't going to be pushed about in midfield by West Ham. And yeah. <laughs> I, I so, think I think going on to what you say, like sort of highlighting what you were saying about with Arsenal's position, sort of it was there for the taking in terms of the vulnerability that other teams are showing and the opportunity that's there. I think it's fair to say you must be quite irritated or quite disappointed because when you look at Spurs and what they've managed to do in this window, bearing in mind that I would assume that Arsenal are in a much more financially strong, financially stronger position. You hope so. And, and, and in all fairness, you know, joking aside and club bandership alone, going into this window, Arsenal had more momentum without a shadow of a doubt. You know, you yeah, won the FA but, Cup. I thought we were going to spend more. The, the, yeah. the difference with our model in United's is that, and I guess with other clubs, that United's is there for the owner to take money out of is what it seems. I'm not saying that as a dig. I mean, the financial yeah, records show it. Whereas Chelsea... And Abramovich is there because Abramovich wants to see Chelsea do well. It, it's more than just a business for him. He actually has an interest in the football. And Arsenal's in the middle where Kroenke doesn't take any money out, but he doesn't put any money in. So we can only spend by those merits what we make. And so there was always the hope that this is going to be this time he's going to pump money in. You had Party and Awar on a plate for you. Awar was literally kind of said that he'd agreed the terms there I think him coming out now saying that he's staying and the reasons he's staying there is much for it's fallen through because he hasn't got what he's wanted and it does sound good because it sounds like that was ready to go through this time last week I was convinced that that one was going to be a done deal so one of the two not bad I remember when Arteta first came in and I think it was I can't think what game it was. Maybe it was after United, but we spoke about the difference where Carragher was praising Arteta not just following the clock, not the clock, the Pep style of play. I think it was Chike said that he'd read or seen something where Arteta was actually the complete opposite and his preferred style of play is maybe not what Arsenal fans would be expecting it to be. I'm sure that was you, Chike, if I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 the journalist pointed out that he said that it seems just we kind of lazily assume because he was working with Pep and probably partly because of the type of player he was, that Arteta is going to have a certain philosophy that maybe isn't quite what you think. It's about being a little bit tougher and more rigid than... Or yeah, maybe definitely it seems to be the way. And if, if that's the way you're going to go, then Parsi does fit into that definitely. pretty perfectly. Definitely. I think the challenge is going to be who's going to be the creative, the creative spot there, which is what William was signed for. I think he'll share the role with um, Saka because it's the pathway. I think he is, but he's also being used a lot more for his legs. So I think you might see if it's a midfield three, then I think in the tougher away games, I think you'll see a midfield three of Party, Xhaka and Ceballos and it'll be 
probably Xhaka sitting deep and Ceballos and Partey as your box-to-box because Ceballos' numbers, as we saw, and they were a little overhyped compared to the other Arsenal players, but he was all over the shop, the highest numbers for any other Arsenal player. And I think when we play the teams where we need to break them apart, that's when you'll see the likes of William or Saka played centrally. Because Saka's kind of had the the winger role put on him, I think, as because he's played all around for the reserves and that kind of thing. Same as Reese Nelson. So I guess the place now is for one of these younger what younger guys to step up. I, I like that we were linked with Buendia earlier today mm-hmm. from um, Norwich because I thought he could be a good guy to slot in there. Emil Smith-Rowe is meant to be very good, but he's also made a paper mache, so <laughs> that's not going to go too well. So Gwenduzi was loaned to Hertha Berlin today to round up the other Arsenal business. Socrates and Kalasinac turned down moves. Um, Socrates <laughs> turned down a move to Roma, I believe, and Kalasinac couldn't agree personal terms with Leverkusen and so would rather come back <laughs> than sign for them for uh, lower wages and not play. So there you go. Socrates... Don't forget Ganesaurus as well. Yeah, as uh, <laughs> Goff referenced earlier, Socrates asked to be let go on a free transfer to go to PSG and it, was, it seems we were prepared to do that for Napoli but I think Arsenal have seen that from PSG and thought the cheek of this. <laughs> going for free to them. <laughs> After they tried getting Bellerin on loan earlier in the window, Urzel um, rejected all advances, refused to go anywhere. And as has been said, uh, Gunasaurus is uh, no more. <laughs> Poor There's guy. been some uproar about about this, and not that in particular, but Paul Merson was joking earlier, and he said, um, "See, this is crazy because uh, he's the highest paid mascot in the league." £80,000 a week he makes and uh, he's been let go. And so there's all these Twitter pages saying, I can't believe this. Arsenal paying their mask for £80,000 a week. <laughs> that, um, that, that Footy Accumes page is going on saying, I think if you watch it back, mate, you'll find that Paul Merson sounded pretty serious. <laughs> so, a week. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Very well paid mascot. <laughs> I mean, not a deal. I remember going to the Emirates uh, and Highbury as a kid and the Gunnosaurus is there. The Gunnosaurus was there when Merson was a player. So, been there a long time, but but I said last time, it's it's a shame that those 55 uh, people got made redundant, but if you ask me if I'd rather they have their job back and we don't sign Thomas Partey, you ain't going to like the answer. <laughs> it does It does seem an odd choice that the mascot had to get sacked to be able to <laughs> see the direct link. Well, it's, it's hard because what's happened, and it's, it is a narrative largely driven by Chelsea fans. Um, every time we've been linked with a player, it's been, uh, so they'll pay William 400 grand a week, but they won't pay these 55 <laughs> staff. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Literally every time. <laughs> It works not like for anyone to lose, lose their job and even less so when we've got an owner worth 8.3 billion with his assets <laughs> but in, in any business if the, if they think that they can do the job without you being there for less money they're going to do so as I've been a victim of so <laughs> put us all in the same boat there because Arsenal have done what they've had to do it maybe would have been more justified for most people if we'd gone and signed a couple more players but We've also today signed a uh, Swedish striker on a five-year deal and a uh, Turkish centre-back. So, 
Now, that wreck, that wreck kick that signed for Sevilla today, he was at Hertha, I believe. We've signed his younger brother, basically, for one million. So, we've got a couple okay. more in the window, including one from Spurs. But, not the window I wanted, but after how I felt when it was confirmed the uh, OR deal was off, it could have been worse. I was going to say, you've had worse windows. Yeah, the one to definitely. watch is that Gwen Duzion has a year left on his deal when he comes back from the loan. So we'll either have to sell him for cheap then or hope that we can convince him to sign a new deal because I am convinced as a player there as much as uh, Alex disagrees. Would um, would you rate your would you rate your window as a C or a C plus? Um, I'd probably give it if you'd asked me if you'd put this window in front of me after the FA Cup final win, then I'd probably give it a four or a five. If you'd asked me, if you'd put this window in front of me a week ago, then I'd probably give it less. If you put it in front of me yesterday, then I'd probably give it a six or a seven. So the context is is there. I like that we haven't wasted money because Jorginho, as much as I don't think he's as bad as uh, some Chelsea fans would have you believe, yeah, it, I don't we've had it... We've had an issue before in we don't get our first choice and so we sign our seventh or eighth or ninth choice, which is how we've ended up with players like Mustafi and Kalasanac and the players that we now can't get rid of. So it's, it's, it's worked out at some point. I think Abamyang was probably given some assurances when he signed his contract that we were going to be signing players that were ready to compete now, which is probably why Gabriel was signed rather than just waiting on Saliba and we've signed Thomas Partey for who's 27 years old rather than a 22 or a 23 year old so there's some ambition shown there but perhaps not as much as most fans hope there would be but then I'd rather this with all respect to uh, Goff who's here with us I would rather sign nobody than us pay Yaya Torre 200 grand a week to come back and be in the centre of our midfield so <laughs> harsh equivalent to make but you, you catch my drift Indeed. other moves we've had today uh, Rudiger being one of them where we get close to the end of the window and it's like it's like the end of the night isn't it where uh, you see people doing their laps at the club and the people they wouldn't have uh, given a second look at at 2am <laughs> at 4am suddenly they're queuing up for Rudiger <laughs> Exactly. So they, he's got three Jaeger bombs lined up from this. <laughs> I did. I, I, I put the analogy in my transfer roundup last year when it came to Batshuayi, who was looking at Dortmund and things like that, and ended at the Palace. And he's telling himself it all feels the same in the dark by the end of the evening, rather than <laughs> turning his nose up at things earlier. So Rudiger was wanted by Milan. Essentially, they, they couldn't agree with Chelsea. Spurs were strong suitors and were interested in taking him permanently, but couldn't agree that with Chelsea, and Chelsea didn't want to strengthen a rival. Um, John Stones was another name that Spurs were interested in taking, both on loan or permanently. But apparently, it wasn't actually the fee that put them off there. It was his wages that they weren't prepared to do. They weren't prepared to give him what he's on, because you'd probably imagine he's, he's probably on more than Harry Kane. Yeah, I, I don't is. even think yeah. that's. Yeah, I don't even. Given that second thought, I, I don't think that's even. A, well, when you need to think twice about, it, I'm almost certain he is. So, John Stones. Can't is, that. 
he's probably looking at Laporte and thinking, hey, look, I'll get a chance at some point. Um, <laughs> and he's probably looking at Spurs thinking, look, I can get a couple, another couple of Premier Leagues on my record here while I uh, want to do some Sky Sports punditry in a few years. Mm. But Spurs, Arity Cup isn't going to go so nicely on his little uh, bar under his name. So I think I think Spurs... Um... I think Spurs hunt for a, a centre back um, is the only like I know we've been linked with um, that that uh, Rondon now uh, um, Rondon, but apparently Rondon. eighteen eighteen million fee in talks. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you, I don't, you, I, you have another week to agree that though because he's in the championship. Yeah, so I, I think if you were to if you if I was to rate Spurs' transfer window, I mean, you give yeah, it. You're going to get to Spurs. I know. Don't, oh, well, don't jump the gun. Don't jump the gun. You're talking about now. Yeah, but I was that's more in with Chelsea. Okay. Um, Chelsea. So Jack, you you didn't get Declan Rice, which I'm sure you're gutted about. <laughs> um, that's the highlight of the window. They didn't get it. <laughs> my thing was going to be without going through all the names Chelsea have signed because I mean we've been doing that for about a month. Do, does not signing Declan Rice or a player in that position. Does that lower how you view the window or not at all? No, I, no, not at all. I think I think people were quite... When out. I saw you link with Party, I was bricking it. Yeah, I, I, I literally... Chelsea this could be a very different pod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said he'd have had hell to pay because I'd have held him personally responsible. <laughs> it would have been selfish if they'd done that. <laughs> but this, is, this is another thing that Chelsea fans, like Chelsea Twitter is really bad for it where Right, we've signed someone. Who's our next target? Let's get them. And if, if they don't get them, the world's ended. And you think, look, we've signed five, six brand new players. I'd have asked for new- a while if we'd signed Party two days ago. So Arsenal have done it well. Yeah. And then people don't understand that it's not FIFA. You can't just throw all these guys into a team and hope it works. You go inside. See what Chelsea have done this window though. It's probably fair to assume that it is that easy. No, not really, because like, you look at the start of the Premier League, like you've, you've mentioned it before, where Werner looked brilliant against Brighton and Liverpool when he was played in a more front role against teams that didn't sit at the edge yeah, of their own box. What, but, what I meant is there's no one that Chelsea have wanted up until got, this point yeah. that they haven't got. And that would be my reason why I think United have done more to damage the league than Chelsea have, because at least with Chelsea, they've wanted a player they've gone and got him. So, so many signings United make are they're going to complain the next window when they go for a young player and they still want 30 million they're going to say well you paid 30 million for this lad with 30 minutes last time and be shocked <laughs> and other teams are going to go for him and they're going to go well United paid 30 million for our kids so <laughs> I think yeah I, I, without going too much into it and that, like going over like we spoke about before Chelsea this window have been shrewd they've been Knew what they needed, knew what they wanted. I still won't agree with the word shrewd for this. Well, it's more more the case of, right, we've got, You've got the money. You want opportunists. We've, yeah, we've got the money there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. At, like Kai Havertz, for example, wasn't one of our targets, but we had the money there, no one else did. And we thought, well, we'll go and get him now because we're not going to get him next year when the big boys come back to the table. But that's what I meant. What I would acknowledge is Chelsea, ha- it doesn't seem like Chelsea have gone We've got 300 million in our pocket. We need to spend this. It's been, we've got money. This is who we want. This is who we're going to get, which yeah. I think if you put 300 million in United's hands, 
it goes a lot differently. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree. I think as much as people want to slag off Chelsea, I think everyone would have wanted a window like we've just had. It's, if we, like football in the side different, like, can, can be completely differently as we saw against West Brom. But as yeah. a window for bringing people in, people loved it because we were linked. We was agreed. It was done. Then we were linked, and then it was agreed. It was done. It wasn't drawn out to get any people's hopes up, and then signing a 33-year-old Cavani on deadline yeah. day. It wasn't that. She was. So, yeah. What was the closest you got to a saga? Yeah. Yeah, it was. And <laughs> that was the closest you got to a bit of drama. He actually really pleasantly surprised me at the weekend. I thought I would rather. Hang on. When I said that about Williams' place. debut, you weren't having it. I know, but Williams, he didn't have an assist and a goal on his debut. <laughs> no, he had three assists. No goal, though, as a winger. So, Alex, we'll go on to Spurs for you. So, didn't get rid of your stones like you were interested in. I think maybe the, the bloke picking your centre-back should be investigated for a start. <laughs> but you loaned out Sessegnon, and you're looking at this uh, Joe Rodon from Swansea, who... I can't give much real insight on other than I've seen his name linked about before. What are you giving Spurs' window overall now it's finished and were you expecting more? So I I I would give Spurs' window a nine out of ten. And the only reason it's a nine out of ten. I was gonna say I've got what is this gonna be? I mean, mine was probably going to be like an eight because, <laughs> like, it's pretty <laughs> close. Eight. Like, it's eight or nine. Like, it's yeah, pretty, I, I was. I would give a nine it's, for it's, Chelsea. It's, it's, I was thinking eight or much, nine for Chelsea. Yeah, it's pretty much perfect. Like, right. Uh, uh, let me let me just explain where where I'm. <laughs> I think you're going to have to. You're going to have to. You're going to have to. I'm giving I'm giving Spurs a nine out of ten, and the only reason it's not ten. Having. What am I hearing? This is great. No, because you didn't, you didn't uh, even get the one. This is worth the two-hour, four-minute wait. For no, no, from my from my perspective, no, it's very short and simple. Because from my perspective, going into this window, I wasn't expecting us to sign really anybody. Yeah, so, like, the, we're walking, yeah. the fact that we're walking away with Bale, we're walking, we're walking away with uh, Rudigon, who is looking a great prospect at left back. We've got a striker. I don't Ooh. know where that came from. You know, I, I I didn't I didn't expect us to walk away with a quarter of the signings that we had in this window. So it's me coming from a bit of a a bit of an excitement in respect of wow, we've signed some players. But you know, the the cherry on the top for me is signing a player like Bale, who I know we can't really judge properly until we've seen what we're getting and what he's gonna what he's actually going to show now that he's back in the Premier League. But I genuinely do think that this window is a massive momentum swing for us in terms of as many they've invested in the squad and it makes it it, it lifts the changing room. It, it really does this, lift the This striker you've signed was a sixth choice centre back three years ago. He was, he was, but now he's been. I, I can't confess to know much about him. I've read a few articles on him since and, you know, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt because any signing that's made is kind of a bit like, well, you know, yeah, they're talking about because he's a transfer that's been done. But he, you know, he's being talked about as uh, sort of I like. I can't believe of... you've not mentioned Doherty either. Exactly. Disrespectful. Yeah. That's a very good sign. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was one good game. That, that was <laughs> yeah. You forget how long this window has been. You know, that was oh, way. I don't. Way, I've way, been having Arsenal notifications on every day. 
that, that was way, that was way at the start of the window. You know, for all the things that have happened since, which I've been like, really, have we signed them? And you know, it's been quite shocking. But this striker, um, but the um, what the, the the striker that we've got from Benfica, like I said, I don't can't confess to know anything about him. But he got twenty six, I think it was twenty six goals last season, and you know he. He's sort of like an under the ray, apparently under the radar, one of the sort of the, you know, the best strikers you can get in Europe at the moment for the sort of the fee that we've managed to get him for. Said um, Terry on Twitter. Yeah, I, I mean, but he's, uh, these are only going off articles and I can't confess to no, it. 45 but, million option. Yeah, but it's, it's good bit. I think we've had a, bearing in mind the resources that I think we've got, which can't be enough, can't be much. I still feel like the window with what we've done in it must be a gamble from a financial standpoint. So I it's, it's been a lot of smart business because look, just isolating it, isolating it bit by bit, you've strengthened you've you've strengthened and added depth and uh, certainly a good amount of quality at left and right back, which was a problem for us last Those are the those are the best bits of business. Striker, yeah, yeah. You've got a striker up top as a replacement like an actual striker up top in uh, as a replacement to Kane who could do something for us. Nobody knows that much about him. We'll see what he's got. Do you want me you've, to put it in context for you? You've got you've got Bale. You've brought Bale into the squad now. Although again, it's what he does for us and what he brings to the squad. Having him in the change room is a big encouragement for the squad, and it's a. You won't be in there much. You'll be on the physios table. It's a lift. It's a lift for the fan base. So I I I think like I don't see how you can't. Look at the situation that Spurs was in going into this window, which is we dropped out of the first, we dropped out of the top four for the first time in a few years now. Everybody's kind of looking at Arsenal as the now, if you're doing the, you know, the comparison between the two and you'd expect Arsenal to have the better window. And we, you're looking at the financial inst- instability in the club in terms of the concerns, asking for a loan government. And we're yeah, signing. disgraceful a- actually that. Mm. We haven't got a loan, have we? And I think anybody, any of the clubs are going to be in that same situation. Refuse to let the NHS in as well. Chelsea That's, didn't do that. Uh, excuse me? Excuse me. Refuse to let the NHS in. Our stadium yep. was lo- our stadium was used as a test centre. Later, they refused it until they got a payment. No. I'll, I'll put it in context for you. You signed a golfer, an Arsenal uh, fan. Here we go. A Dodger striker got... up top that's a, like a regen on football manager could go either way. So <laughs> you've signed a Europa League finalist, so that's that's the that's the level there. We're pulling in Champions League semi finalists and Alty as hell. Who else do you get? In Alex's defence, how many of those players walk into the Arsenal team though as well? A lot of them do. Exactly. I I don't it's, think any. It, Do- Doherty maybe he doesn't walk in because <laughs> he's the Niles there, then he starts. <laughs> doesn't walk into your starting lineup. Region. Rig- well he's not better than Tian, is he? He is better. Oh, I got the feelings of the Spanish <laughs> team of the league. What do you oh, mean he's better? You can't even on, say his name. Move on, move on, move on. He's being ridiculous. He's being ridiculous. Just move on. Come on, Just which of these other players walk into our team? I can't, I don't think any of them do. Not walking. Rudigan. <laughs> Reguilon. And, and, I, have, I, have, I need to bring attention to your pronunciation of Reguilon. <laughs> yeah, let's get this right it's, now. It's really, yeah, we need to, <laughs> just need to reg- stop it. Is it is it regular? It wasn't pronounced. It wasn't pronounced right. It wasn't pronounced consistently right during the game on Sunday. Come anybody... on, who walks in? Reggie, tell me. Reggie, call him Reggie. Reggie, we'll call Doherty Ronnie. We'll get him. Who's walking in, Alex? Who's walking in? Tell me. 
Huh? Who's walked <laughs> into our team? Bale does. No, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, he does, and you know it. On crutches, he might uh, be on our bench. He hobbles it. I'm, I'm picking Bale over Pepe. Thank over you. Pepe? Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Bale over William. Yep. William. Over Lacquer, you'll say that. <laughs> we had to play him through the middle, but I think uh, after yesterday, Aubameyang will be back through the middle. Oh, okay. I can't believe Alex has said Reggion over Tierney. Not even Reggion would say that. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. So he got into the Spanish team of the year last year. Well, weirdly, Tierney couldn't have got in there. So, 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 so Tierney. If he's any good, he could have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, did Tierney make it into the Premier League team of season, did he? Well, he was out half the season. Tierney's won more trophies. He was out half of the season. It's into him being a really good, better than a player that's played the entire season. Yeah, okay. If you ask Jose, he'd rather have he'd say Tierney. No, he wouldn't. Yeah, that's obvious, that. Is that the only one that would walk in? So we can move on then. No, right. I'm giving you, giving you three. Who? Who was the third? Bale. Yeah, who was the, who's the other one? Reggion, Bale. Doherty. Doherty over Maitland-Niles. Wow. Easy. <laughs> By Alex's yes, metrics. By Alex's metrics. How Doherty. many England call-ups has Doherty got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Everton. So Theo Walcott has been loaned from Everton to Southampton. Nice little move, that. Yeah, happy for him. In full circle. He's looking at Redmond thinking, if if I don't get in this team, <laughs> it's over. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to go back to the shaved heads and he'll be balling again. It was it was when we were linked with Mares, it got in his head and he started changing his barnet ever since and it's just gone downhill. <laughs> it will be coming off coming on ahead of him for Everton was clearly the last straw there and he's thinking I've got more to offer than this <laughs> Everton today signed Ben Godfrey for 20 million I'd be interested Alex what would you give Everton's window 8 out of 10 <laughs> <laughs> if we go the same way I'd say these Everton signings walk into Spurs' team <laughs> don't be silly Maybe, maybe have us the guys, but nobody I else. Think, I think Decore doesn't. I think there's time in field. I think there's going to be a lot of lot of teams looking at this Hamas Rodriguez transfer and thinking, shit. A lot of teams <laughs> like Spurs and they could have really done with someone like Hamas Rodriguez and the way that he started at Everton. All right, can I just read you a statement from how I read that? That's been just said on I think Tottenham could win the league this year. It looks like <laughs> open year in the league. And if you look at their squad, the results at the weekend, I'm telling you, that in some squad, that in some squad, some squad they've That's got. That's fantastic. They have, they have, they have cover strong in every, they have, they have cover and are strong in every position. If anyone's going to set the big two, it'll be Spurs. <laughs> the only way Spurs would win the league is, is if it's a title race with Frank. <laughs> Because there's no way he's finishing top. Or with Brendan. We know he'll fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that... Um, 
fat Frank Lampard song in my head ever since uh, he was doing the group chat. <laughs> so come on, uh, his forklift truck. He didn't carry a Lampard. <laughs> Leeds signed uh, Rafinha from Rennes today, so they carried on pumping the money in. He actually played yeah. yesterday for them and uh, got a goal and assist, so he's doing his job there. Felipe Anderson has gone to Porto. Good, yeah. So that's another West Ham signing that should have worked. Looked like it would for about two games and then very quickly became a West Ham signing again. He was a shit house. He, he actually had some salary. He just gave up. So it seems to be the way with West Ham does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that that's on loan as well. So West Ham are getting a small fee. It says Chris Smalling is officially back at Roma. Um, finally, TK. After yesterday, do you think Liverpool should be active today, looking for a keeper, or you wait this six weeks out till Allison's back? We should have gone out and panic bought, shouldn't we? We're, we're in trouble. We're in big, big trouble. <laughs> and as Alex said about Spurs, they're obviously flying. So I'm, I'm quaking about Spurs and Everton. You're Make a competition for the league. You're confusing. You're confusing me. That was read that statement. I'm just happy that we've signed some players. And like, like I was saying, I, I'm not saying when I say we've had a nine out of ten window. That's not me then saying we're contenders for the league. I'm saying considering situation. Real clangers today. I evaluated our position. I, I think I'm coming from a place of where I was evaluating our position as being a lot worse. Than maybe what yeah. you find was, but I was in a I was in a worrying place after watching that Spurs documentary, and considering you know some of the financial reports, I was not. If we walked out of this window without, so you've just spent money, we walked out of this window without signing a single player, I wouldn't have been surprised. But also, we've got through another window without losing Harry Kane, which I'm gobsmacked at. Because remember, when we did our, like, the keep and let go, I was conceding that Harry Kane was gone. So, I, you I were just... You talking nonsense, I, weren't you? Nonsense. I was gobsmacked that he's still, I'm gobsmacked that he's still there. I really... the first syllable again. Would you, would you say the... if you didn't win anything this season, he's gone? I, I if, if we, if we don't win... A, a, the League Cup or the FA Cup at, at least this season that uh, is your level that, that is that it is absolutely atrocious I, I cannot I, I was this window this window is a lifeline for Spurs in terms of giving Mourinho something to try and win with and like, I still stand by I still stand by my statement in terms of I look at that changing room prior to this window and I don't think there's any winners in that changing room I, I think you, with the lifeline that this window's given the, the, with Reno's team now, he has to go and get a cup. He has to. If he doesn't, the, if he doesn't get a cup, and really you have to partner top four with a cup now after that window, it, the, 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 the years of fa- the season's a failure big time. Big the time season's a failure if you don't win the league after what you've just said. Nine out of ten window better than Chelsea's. <laughs> So, so yeah. So, Byron, you're telling me that if you got the players that you wanted to in this window, and you, you, so say, what, what players would it have taken for you to rate your window a nine out of ten? Edward from Celtic, Hussein Awar 
from Leon. A better backup goalkeeper to Bernd Leno. A new right back. Jesus Christ. Nine out of ten. This is this is big stuff. Jack gave us an eight. Well, so oh, you no. say so if you've got the new squad in So if you that's what Chelsea did. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Those players. If you've got those players in league, are you? Will you expect? Would you expect Arsenal to win the league? Uh, with those players, I'd expect us to compete. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I'm not. Is, well, like this is why he was disappointed. He was low key. He had that in his head. He thought, if we can get one of these two in, we'll sneak in here. Hey, look. I mean, Arteta's three one up over Klopp, so we got to have some confidence there. <laughs> the Mirror have done it again. This Dean John Smith Cross has done it. Is this the hundred and ten million? When yes. have you ever heard wages, agents' fees, and all incentives added up to include <laughs> in the in the price. 110. <laughs> Look, Arsenal strike 110 million Thomas Party transfer deal as the gunner splash cash. Nice sensation when you think his release clause is what 50. If you just took that in isolation, it was 40, like, 45 million 45. pounds was what it was. <laughs> Even United wouldn't do that. And what John Cross, who claimed this morning that Arsenal weren't signing anyone. Apparently knows more than the bloke that AFC Bell that said the whole time and given the details because he's mates with their party. So, look, he's put out several sources deny the inflated figure circulating in some local newspapers about party's salary and agents' commission. So there it's... we go. And I've already seen one reply saying I'm sure the 55 redundant staff would love to hear that. So <laughs> probably a good point for us to uh, close out before we end. We're, we're at transfer bingo there. An inflated oh, yeah. price and that. So I was going to say, again. Go on. Yeah. I was going to say, I didn't realise how long we'd be going for. Is, is it tonight that we're going for the podcast world record? <laughs> it should maybe make you think the fact that uh, it needs to be about 24 times this thanks again for listening to another edition of the spitballing pod if you've been offended by any comments alex has made alex underscore jones 27 is his uh, username we'll be back next week with plenty more to come and we'll need to find something to cover the international break so we'll be back new season of movie madness starts with the inclusion of jack this thursday goodbye